Joe Rogan Experience. Brian Callen, my friend. Good to be here. Good to be here. My friend who at one point in time stopped doing stand-up. What? Boy, that is correct. I remember that. You the did? dark days. The dark it days of hanging out with actors. It's a long time, too. It was about oh, seven those years, right? motherfuckers. They got you. They actors. got you with all their stupid silliness. Well, you're, but he's in character. Hold on. They got you. You yeah. started wanting to be like them. You wanted to be accepted. You want to be cool. I want to make believe for a living. Yeah, man. So, I just want to be down. That's it. Before we even get started, ladies and gentlemen, we're at Cobb's Comedy Club this weekend. It's me, Tom Segura, and Sam Triple. If you've never seen Tom or Sam, they're both fucking awesome. Funny dudes. Some of the funniest guys working today. Oh, and yeah. uh, I have my Cobb's Comedy Club mug here, my 25th anniversary. If you've never been, if you're a San Francisco person or anywhere in the north uh, west of Cal what is it northwest california whatever northern california it's a fucking great club it's a real a club where they really they you know tom the guy who runs it really honors the art of stand up he he really loves it there's a few clubs like that you know there's wendy in denver and there's there's a few all throughout the country where the the owner the person who runs it really loves stand up yeah. and that's one of them so it's always great instead yeah. of being this corporate sort of you know Fuck yeah. It's a, well, you know what? I, I got to tell you, you know, people will complain about the improvs. I never, I think they're great. They are you know, great. You they know what I love? Because you, they, 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 it's clean. They take care of everything. It's run really well. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. What are you pointing at, Brian? Right. Oh, is that me? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was on. Um, um, yeah. You know, the thing is they guarantee you a good show. Right. It's guaranteed they're going to be taking care of the room. They're going to be making sure there's no hecklers. The waitresses are all be well-trained. The DJ all be on, on point. Mm -hmm. It's all the same experience. Exactly. It's just a little bit of different staffs, different staff. And, you know, in, um, uh, Kentucky, they put that, they, it's like they put emphasis on the fact that they go, if you come here and pay a, a premium, you're going to laugh your ass off for two hours. They're going to do, That's yeah, they're going to do gonna a good guarantee. job. Yeah. They know what the fuck they're doing. And yep. there's a lot of them, you know, but it's one of those good chains. Yep. You know, people go, oh, it puts out mom and pop clubs. Does it? Is it really? Is, is it ever put out one? And right. even if it, even if it does, maybe those mom and pop ones sucked. Right. Well, then can they, can they compete? That's the question. The, well, the problem is uh, I do hear that they do this when they tell you you can't work the other club. Well, I, I'm a member. I'm they Levity represents me. <laughs> right. And I love them. They financed my one hour just recently. They take so care Levity of me. is the people. But they who own. But, but Robert Hartman. Robert Hartman owns a lot of them, and he's a personal friend. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not saying this because I'm on a podcast. That guy's a great guy. He's a great guy. He loves comedy. He's very competitive. He loves though, well, but I don't mind that. I mean, but but I think at the end of the day, those guys are they're they're they're. I would have said that they they only let you do the improvs. The fact is, I have a different booking agent now who's fantastic, um, Justin Edberg over at Super Entertainment. I get I get to do any club I want, and he books me out anywhere I want. So if you're with you them, don't have any gonna... pressure to no. only do the. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that Never. I had when I was at Gersh. Right. Gersh had some secret deal. Sure. With the improv, they're always going to have a secret. Exactly. They're it was have... really creepy because yeah. other clubs would tell me, like a, a few of them would say, "Hey, I've been trying to book you forever, and I could never book you." And I'd be like, "Really? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I never heard any of this." I never got any of the deals. Like Nashville, I never did Nashville when I was with Gersh. There's a lot of clubs that are, they just would, would ignore me. Yeah, because they have a relationship. They develop and they cherish those relationships because they can get more bang for their buck. It's always going to happen. But what, what I did is that's why you separate the powers. That's why you get a, a, a booking agent who's going to make his own money on you in his own way. Isn't it sort of, there's a fucking dance, man, between big business, which you can't have a fucking society like this without a big business. 
you but, know, and it but, extends from comedy clubs into let me pretty much example. anything. Let me give you an example of okay. why that's good and why it's bad. You, you, let's take, for example, have you noticed that when you travel the country, there aren't a lot of restaurants that are locally owned. So in other words, you don't see a lot of mom and pop restaurants with character. A lot right. of times you go into a, a, a place and you've got Hooters, Applebee's, got Applebee's and all. Why? Right. What happened? I don't want to eat that kind of food personally. I don't really like that kind of food. I'd rather have something with character. It's what, one of the reasons I live, you know, like what I like about New York or even Venice down. down You're so beach. bohemian. I'm very bohemian. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's individual expression and, you know, people right. come from Venice and they cook their own kind of food. I like that. I person. appreciate that too. Yeah. There's something about that that's fun. Absolutely. But but what's happened, I think, is that we have a very litigious society, as you know, right? So if you for open... For people who are stupid, that means people like to sue people. They like to sue you. <laughs> Sorry for you young kids. I'm just really... I'm really bombastic. Well, that means I use big words. He will sling those words around. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. is so it what good? Is, is it bad? So, so if you open a restaurant somebody gets food poisoning and they sue you, you can you're you're a lot of times you better have really good insurance because mm. keeping up with those medical bills if two people get to you know get uh, four people get e coli or whatever it might be and you have a local restaurant we'll see you later the reason that a lot of these restaurants take a chance of opening up is very hard to make a restaurant work anyway the reason you you open a restaurant if you're pf changs you got deep pockets and you become a corporation you can withstand any kind of bullshit you deal with when it comes to lawsuits, food poisoning, or whatever. Are they franchises? Are they all protected under the same umbrella financially, Both. legally? Both, actually. Yeah. The, ma the mother corporation that will, will create these subsidiaries so that if they do get sued, they can't come after the mother corporation. Right. So that's kind of how it works, but they got deep pockets financing everything. I yeah. do appreciate in mo the mom and pop aspect of it, but... You know, also, when you're in a town, you like to go to Best Buy and, you know, if you need Dude, a fucking it's laptop. It's a price. You it's, know what it's, I mean? Everything has a price. You want Walmart, it brings TVs down to $26. But, but you're going to pay a price in some ways. And how is that? One example is Main Street used to, it sprang up organically in the American city, right? You had Main Street and you had a bunch of little shops. And those shops were passed down generation to generation and everybody knew each other. There's something very charming and wonderful about that. But guess what? That costs money. It is not as efficient as, say, Target on one side, Walmart on the other. But you pay a price in another way, in my opinion. Anonymity, you're surrounded by beige walls, you have no connection to a continuum. You tell me the difference between Kansas City a lot of times and Columbia, Missouri when you, when you, when you walk down the street. We're becoming a very generic looking place and and the experience is generic you want to go shopping you go to an outdoor mall or an indoor mall depending on the weather and and you're going to find the same exact stores everywhere you go sure you can get anything you want but what at what price it's it's a little bit like you you buy food for texture and not taste in my right. opinion. you want real taste in food it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time in the kitchen to prepare some people don't care about it. Speaking that. of a lot of food, I love uh, that show No Reservations, one of my favorite shows. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. And one of the things he did was he went to New York City and he went to all the really, really old places where they own the building mm -hmm. and it's a family. He went to this Italian-owned uh, restaurant slash deli. That's, uh, God, I wish I remember the name because I, I have it saved on the DVR. It's so good. That show is the best show on television. Is that Anthony Bourdain? That's Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, it's Bourdain. the best show on television. Yeah. No, no if, ands, or buts. It's consistently excellent. Mm -hmm. He's on point. I just, I love the way the guy thinks, the way he, he, he like really loves, like he went to South Boston into this awesome episode on South Boston and the way he fucking loves like a town, like a real town, yeah. which South Boston is. Yeah. And he went to these places in New York and this one Italian bakery 
or it's like a deli, but it, not a bakery. It's got everything. You know, it's like all these canned meats and like like uh, meats hanging from you know like so dried amazing. meats and, and cheese yeah, hanging from the ceiling that. and shit. Like, and the guy who's running it had been working there since he was a baby, and he was in his eighties. He was old as fuck. His whole family you had been there. You can't buy that kind. You of can't stuff. buy it. That that that, that, no, that is what we're losing yeah. in this country. That is exactly. But what But the thing about. is, they they the only way they could do this is if one they're stubborn old Italians, which is, this is a family business. They're not getting rid of the family. Why would we get rid of the right. family business? Right. They do in the end, you know, and they own the building. They've owned the building forever. So that's the only reason why these exist. And it was it's a fascinating thing to to watch. And that the fucking food looks so good. They had spaghetti with meatballs. Oh my god! I wanted to go make the spaghetti with meatballs. I know. I was like, do I have you ground beef in the those... house? Do I have breadcrumbs? What the fuck can I do? You, where you yeah. walk into a store like that and you smell, you oh. smell eighty years of food. It's, it's hard to explain. You know, and if someone lives in Columbus, Ohio, right? Like where you're from, that's all. That's Mall City, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Well, there's a, definitely a lot of malls, but you also have like a lot of Amish people. So you have like the Amish restaurants, and you do have like a different kind. You know, the Amish they can really cook up a pie. <laughs> they know how to fuck too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like rabbits with beards, ladies and gentlemen, rabbits with beards. The weirdest thing about the Amish. Did you ever see that documentary where they? The, what's that thing they do called Rumskeller or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Where they, they, I guess when they're they graduate from high school, they're allowed to go nutty. They're allowed is? to go nutty, and then one which time means, in their life, which means and they get the dance. Yeah. They, they get, get to, dance well, they, to they get to party. Yeah. They, they go crazy. They go off. They party. They fuck. They go nutty, and then they they basically hit like spiritual emptiness. Like huh? the full bore, like all at once, crash out. What most of America suffers yeah. from every single yeah. fucking crash day. out in a meth and cocaine haze, and then they go, "I'm coming back to the church where everyone loves me." They're really, literally, completely unprepared. If you grow up in the Amish community, yeah. and you know, it's a very different kind of life. It's very weird. It's, it's very also a life cultish. that connects you to to a community and a very yeah. strong community yeah. with history. And also, I think it's really easy. It's a lot easier in some ways to grow up that way because you're 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 given a there's very, the, the, your boundaries and the way to behave and the blueprint for mm -hmm. how to live your life is laid out for you. Right. And a lot of times we grow up in this country with no blueprint. You got to kind of make it up as you go along. But man. it's a funny blueprint. You might must dress like Johnny Cash and not use electricity. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what right. the, the fuck right. kind of blueprint is that, man? It's true. That's a weird blueprint, man. They, they smell too, man. As a kid. Whoa, going, hey, Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian. This is a generalization. Are well, you going to be uh, racist against the Amish? This is where I draw the line. Oh, we had field trips to like the zoo and to like okay. the amusement parks right. and they would go in by like buses and that's one thing as a child growing up you were like who are these weird people smells dressed like, weird smells that like smell dough. like shit it smells and, like dough and hard work yeah. what the hell's going on here and they were also busted a lot for like having raves and stuff uh, all raves? the time in Columbus yeah like where they would catch a bunch of Amish people in a barn somewhere with a bunch of ecstasy like they, they, they're not all this like innocent well, that's the, probably the <laughs> Rumskeller or whatever yeah, right. it's called yeah. god I would have to find the name of that because it's driving Rum, me Rumskeller nobody Rumble. I mean that's the thing you can as, as you can grow up a certain way, but once you put an idea in somebody's head, hey, this feels really good. Yeah, it's really rumspringer. That's what it's called. It's rumspringer. very difficult to to stop human nature. And human nature, when you push in one direction, they pull in another. I see it with my daughter. That's exactly I see it with the right. three year old. It's fascinating watching a little human being develop. And one of the things, you know, and you have a daughter the same age, you know, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Like you can see where when you tell them not to do things, they want automatically to do it. Exactly. It's like, it's so ingrained. It's yeah, not something that you teach a baby. No. They just, it's autumn. It's already in there. There's a contrarian streak in a human mm -hmm. being. It's why any, any time you see in uh, uh, any government experiment in history, in any society where it's a monarchy, an oligarchy, uh, you know, whether it's a uh, collectivist sort of nature, we're all going to behave this way. And these are the rules. 
people rebel. It never really works. It has to. That's a part of what yeah. what has made a human being a human being. That's right. it's it's encoded into our genetics unquestionably, and it's the reason why Catholic girls are whores. That's right. It's so simple. When I was in high school, all the Catholic girls were sluts. We all knew it, and we would joke about it. She's in Catholic school. Oh shit! We would go fuck. She's in Catholic school. You knew that when you got that bitch alone and stuck a finger in her, she was gonna go crazy. She was gonna in your car. grab your dick like it was a rope hanging over a canyon, and she fell out of an airplane and just caught it before sudden death, like fucking Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger. She's gonna milk that dick. Oh, like it's the sweetest elixir. I had a, I had an she experience where wait. a girl a girl was telling me about her relationship with the Lord. She kept using oh, the word the nice. Lord. So we had an argument, which was fun. And, uh, and, and you had an argument. And, yeah. And I quickly realized it was, you know, she didn't have a whole lot to base this on. It was just kind of, she had gone through some kind of a crisis and then latched onto the Lord. I banged her in her car two hours later, <laughs> two hours later in, I'm sorry, in my car. I never forgot that. She's like, Oh, I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't either, but we have a connection. We connected. That's why all the religious girls are, I mean, all the whores back in high school now are religious. If you notice, like, if, you know, they all have kids I used to be, I used to be so douchey. I have an, an an ultimate confession to make when any whenever the subject of religion would come up i was that guy i would be so douchey where i'd be like insulting to you if you believe something silly right. i would be not just dismissive but insulting it was it's such a stuff because it was no one's doing anything bad to me no but what it is is like there's something about you especially when i was young when i was like 18 i was really considering religion at one point in time i was very lost i was going to join the army uh, I was doing Taekwondo, and I heard the Army had a big uh, Taekwondo team. There's this kid named God, which Clayton, I think, Clayton Barber. The, uh, that might not be his name, but he was a high-level Taekwondo guy that fought for the Army. And I was like, wow, they pay for him to fight? All he has to do is like they give him some cushy office job, and then he gets to train all the time. So I was thinking about that, and uh, I was terrified of religion. I was terrified. Like whenever I'd fight someone and I knew that they were Christian, I would get really nervous. Because they had they had sort of they believed and they had a sort of inner strength. I thought, what if they were right? What if there's oh. a God? What if the God's looking out for them? That's interesting. You know, I really would think that. Like I remember one time this this guy, he was sitting on the sidelines on one knee reading the fucking Bible before we fought. Wow. And I was like, put that book away, you fuck. Put that book away. <laughs> like, like he was gonna use some incantations Holy, on me. Holy Ghost power. I was nervous, man. I got nervous. But you know what that does? I think with the power of any kind of religion or anything, anytime you try to go beyond that which you can measure, I think a lot of belief has to do with less to do, to do with superstition and more to do. It's kind of the same. It thing. has to do. It with, has to do with inspiration. So the re, the same way you listen to a piece of music that gets you pumped to go mm -hmm. do something, I think people can do, derive the same kind of strength and inspiration from scripture. Sure. Whether, whatever. Well, I know be. they so, do. Yeah. I know. I have a good friend, and I'm not going to talk about him, but he's very religious, and you know, a lot of people would be shocked. But he's a st pretty strict Catholic, and he's a good friend. I just let him do his thing, man. You know, right. it's on him. You know, that's what that what keeps him happy. But when I was young, I was so douchey about it. And really, it was somehow or another, it was because I was insecure that A, maybe they were right, <laughs> or, or B, that when I was really young. Yeah. But then, and then I started reading religious history and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, this is craziness. Right. Oh, I didn't know. Right. I still, I'm still <sighs> fascinated, though. But what fascinates me is I, I, I read a whole thing in, uh, on, on the origins of Christianity. It's pretty interesting. And, and, but I, I came to sort of the same conclusion. I went, what well, that's really, if you really look at the, the, um, how much Christ actually said that we, you can put it on a, on a four by four card, not a lot. And then you had all these other, these followers, I mean, Paul, for example, whenever you met him and had this conversion on the road to Damascus and wrote all these letters, the question becomes why though did those ideas last 2000 years? And a lot of ideas didn't. That's what always fascinates me. Because we killed the most people. 
What's it's that simple. The Christians well, killed the most people. It literally that. Actually, is that. Actually, I don't agree with that because you could say the same thing about fascism. And Dude, the Nazis believe me. killed a lot of people, but that, that kind of... And, no. And by the way, Listen, if communism. the Muslims had kicked the ass that the Christians did, we would all be learning that oh, Muhammad oh, was the thing oh, and oh, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. No, no, We'd be celebrating saying, some oh, walk around the big box. No, but I do think that there's some, there is a resilience to things like love, love thy enemy and unforgiveness. Well, you have to, I know. Are, that is true, Brian, but you have to understand that all this stuff is rehashed old shit. I don't have to tell you that and the reason why we are immersed in Christianity is because this epoch this world that we're living in we're dealing with a very f small amount of time it seems like an enormous amount of time for us but the amount of time that the Christian religion has dominated the earth is not the same amount of time that back when the Romans were dominating shit right. or the Greeks were dominating shit they had a couple thousand years on us how much we've only been around for a couple hundred years or you know yeah. this country well, let me ask you know you and, and the world the world of Christianity was 2,000 years but let me ask you a question how much do you think uh, how it seems like human beings always have this sort of need for to impose their own forms of self-restriction yes you know, and, and and discipline and things i think like it's that. an operating system do you think that's a part of our human nature or do you think that's a natural function of our i nature? think it's very simple i think that we are evolving we are in an adolescent stage of evolution and we are something that's in the middle we are not quite animal we know that we are animal we, we know we interact with animals we know we have feelings for animals but we also know that they're not us. Mm. We know we're something different, even from monkeys. There's a reason why you're allowed to keep monkeys in the zoo, but you can't have a slave. It's because we make some sort of a distinction that we are something different from them. Right. And people will say, well, that's stupid. We're not. That's wrong. You know, animals have rights. Honestly, they don't. Here's the deal. If it wasn't for us being so super smart, they'd all have eaten us. It's right. really that simple. Right. There's some crazy, weird survival thing going on. And the only way to truly be happy is you have to be on whatever team your race is. If you're a dog and you're ratting out all these other dogs and then the people run around and club the dogs to death in front of you, you'll be a shitty dog. Way, you'll feel so, terrible. So, so you don't get in trouble. Joe Rogan is not talking about racist and white, black, or he's talking about human race here. Yes, I'm talking about, I'm talking about animals over other species. I'm talking about the human race as a whole. We are in some weird thing where we're not quite an animal anymore. Anymore. We're an animal, but we're self-aware. We need food. We need animal protein. We need vegetable protein. We need water. We need all the things that a regular biological unit needs to keep itself alive. So, so then, but uh, we also have some weird awareness. So then, evolution for you is not just biological. It's not just mathematics and bio biology. It is. It is. We're also evolving from a consciousness point. Sure. Of view. I mean, and, and biologists would argue with you over the uh, semantics over the word evolution, saying that evolution only pertains to a biological thing. That you don't have like evolution of culture. You have advancement mm -hmm. of culture, and you know you have. It, more, um, you know, advanced levels of complexity. It's, but it's not technically evolution. But we all know what the word evolution means, and it's a better word for it. I, really. I don't think, mind using I it think, there. I have them think societies and even the world as a whole it develops uh, their own sort of sense of self-awareness. We, we are yeah. very aware of what the pitfalls of, of how to get, how you get, you fall into things like genocide. I do think the world is less brutal yeah. as a whole today than it Way was more. a long time. Way more. It's hard for us to understand. I always try to relate this to people when we talk about the, the you know, like people like I've had so many conversations like, you know, um, Alex Jones is a good friend of mine. And uh, Alex Jones will tell you that right now the, the CIA, the end up, he's, he's so doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, I have some people that I know that I'm friends with that are so, so this is the end of the world. I'm like, you got to look at it this way, bro. The apocalypse is here, but not here. 
Okay, it's on the earth in certain spots. It always has been. It's just back then when you described the apocalypse and the plague. Well, yeah, there was a plague in Northern Africa. But guess where there wasn't a plague? In fucking China. At the same time in China, they were chilling, they were banging, making more Chinese people. They were, you know, they were playing fucking games. It's you. You have access right now to too much information for our puny brains, and that's where religion and any sort of a predetermined pattern of behavior that you can follow as an operating system, whether it's being an Amish person or anything, that's why they come in handy. Because things so squirrely, things are so crazy. You look the fucking the meltdown in Japan and fucking Mississippi's underwater and you the fucking tornadoes that go through Alabama and birds are falling right, from the sky. Right. It never ends. By the if way, you're looking the, yeah. if you're looking for shitty things, you can find them well, all day. Well, and, and and I'll tell you something. If, if for any of the young people are listening, if you think it's it's worse today, pick up any piece of literature or history. Just take a look. Like take a look at Lincoln's life, mm. and you'll find that back then. Let's just take Lincoln's era. Okay, Civil War. First of all, you always lost two or three of your children to all kinds of diseases. For example, diphtheria. When was the last time? Who do you know who ever died of whooping cough, diphtheria, tetanus, smallpox? These diseases would roll through in epidemics. And it wasn't like the flu where you got a cold. You died slowly and horribly. And it was usually your child under a tent that you couldn't touch. So if anybody, tuberculosis, tuberculosis, when you got consumption, which is another word for tuberculosis, and it's just anytime you read any kind of, any piece of literature or history from even 50 years ago, it is always is always a story about somebody Eugene O'Neill, Nobel Prize winning playwright. His brother got um, uh, tuberculosis and he had to watch him die. And Long Day's Journey in the Night is about that. There was nothing you could do, man. You know what they do? Go up to the mountains and breathe the air to see if it helps your lungs. Otherwise, you fucking died. And that was one disease of of count. look at polio. Sixty years ago, fifty years ago, when kids were on iron lungs, in the best case scenario, your child is four, he'll never walk again. That was the best case scenario, but usually you just died because your lungs didn't hold up. And we've invented that, that. That's that's the fundamental difference. Nobody that's listening right now, I guarantee, knows anybody who has even been crippled by something like, like polio, scarred by something like smallpox. So the world, in a lot of ways, we're feeding in the seventies, in the seventies, and and especially in the sixties, China. And India, half the world's population was starving, man. They couldn't even, they, they had to import grain. Now India is a huge grain exporter. So <clears throat> because of the Green Revolution, because of what's that guy's name? One man who came up with ways to make, you know, grains and things more, more uh, resistant to drought and things like that. Our, our advancements, our technological advancements have pushed us so far beyond our biology, it's not even funny. However, you're right. It's so overwhelming and moving so quickly that people feel like that since they can't understand it, they have to come up with some kind of a, a debunking mechanism or something they can understand or at least something they can hold on to. And that's where religion plays a huge part. I don't think religion, I don't think technology is, is pushing religion out of the way. In some ways, I think this huge, this huge um, uh, multiple, the exponential growth of technology is actually ushering in a, a, a another wave, and that is a wave of very religious people who have who don't know how to put this technolo- technological wave into context. Tissue regeneration, all the stuff we talk about. It's also that you re- you're able to contact many people. You, you can are. get groups. That's you can right. get very selective on the internet too. You can choose yeah. just to hang out in one or two sort of forums, yeah. and you can just think the way they think. Nick Nick, Nick uh, Swarson does such a funny joke about that. You ever see his joke about this? He does this new joke. He's like, you know, back before the internet, if you had a fetish, man, it was just really hard to find like you know a group or just anybody you could get it with. You'd have to go out to dinner and be like, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. 
unless you want me to piss on your face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good chance. It's such a great one. That's hilarious because it's true. It's yeah, true. You'd yeah, have to feel it out and shit. There's so many weird groups that we're finding out about from doing this podcasting. You have to talk to porn stars. Uh-huh. You have to. They hold you down. It's great. You know, it's and sometimes you know you you get in conversations like you know like you find out things like cream pies and you know and foot jobs and all these different like really creepy things that are just totally standard. They're standard now. You know, it used know, to be hard exactly to find. I, when I was 14 years old, we always used to find <laughs> porn in the woods, and everyone shares this story. Is by the way, all over the country. I grew up in Boston. I've talked to uh, friends that grew up in L.A. I've talked to friend. You found porn in the woods. We all used to find magazines in the. I woods and i remember i will remember this this is the very day that the darkness the dark side of sexuality was revealed to me because normally when you find these magazines you'd find like time magazine you know and then there would be like a playboy inside of it someone would be naughty you know what i mean like if you would find one over someone's house but if you find them in the woods you know, like I never bought a magazine until I was like 20. You always found them over someone's house or you stole it from your dad's bathroom or something. Right. But the magazines that you would get from your dad were like penthouse if you were lucky, yeah. right? They go gynecological more. They show the yeah. pussy. Not cheese spot and stuff. But when I was in the woods, you'd find like Hustler screw. and Cherry and yes, yeah, Screw. And it, I, I, I stumbled upon this one magazine. It was me and my friends. And I'll never forget this. Because <laughs> my friend Juan, my friend Juan Alvarado, he uh, he was the first one to talk, and we were all sitting around looking at this magazine, and we peel through it page by page for like five minutes, just page, and he finally goes, "Dude, I think this magazine's all dicks and feet." <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was the whole magazine was dicks and feet, and I remember this because also it was the first time my friend my friend Josh, who uh, who was the next one to speak, it was the first time I ever heard someone say "what the fuck" in a way that I knew they didn't really want an answer. <laughs> you know, when you say "what the fuck," occasionally you say "what the fuck" like you come home, there's water everywhere. What the, what the fuck? fuck? But sometimes you'll say "what the fuck" where it's like it's a "what the fuck." Yeah, what the fuck? And you don't really want an answer, man. There's no way you can have an answer there's certain times when you say what the fuck where if you were expecting an answer you asked the wrong question you know oh, and man. this is one of them this this fucking magazine this wet that magazine that we found under a log right it's always they're always damp the pages are stuck together and it was all dicks and feet oh, it's so good. it was so weird it was all white guys you could never find a black dick if you were looking <laughs> for some black dick back in the day no. it was very difficult right i didn't see a black dick until the internet came along and then i was like wow they really are bigger, they are bigger. you know but back then man you never saw a black dick that shit was a rumor yeah. or you wrestled and you saw him in the locker room you know <laughs> You know, every now and then you'd be like, God damn. What the fuck is that? Yeah. But back then, the, the porn now, porn, every girl, you're not worth your salt unless you get fucking gang banged by a couple of black guys. Right. All right. That, that separates the girls from the women. All right. That separates the pros. That separates the real sluts. Amateurs. The real girls who go in there and there's three fucking giant, juiced up football player black dudes with logs in their pants. Logs. And they're going to fuck every hole and, you, and you're going to pretend you love it or do love it. Either right. way. Or do love it. I hope, lo- I hope yeah. do love it. Go for it. It's good for my masturbation material. Yeah, bro. I can you, feel you, bad and get get off at the same time. You can't time. stop sluts. You just got to be nice to them. God you know? bless them. It's and you know I think sluts are just like every other component in this society inevitable. You know, and and porn stars and and, and comedians and everything. There's, it's almost like this society has a, a piece in place to counteract every other piece that moves well, along with well, it. Well, being a slut in in this society comes if you're hot enough comes with a certain amount of power and cachet and by the way salary. 
you know, and hate and forget about that. Yeah. What about the hate you get from the other women? They yeah. know you're, you're not playing by their rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you oh, just go out there and fuck them on the first date. And what it is, is they're just tapping into our base evolutionary side, the, the, the chimp side, the, the chimpanzee in us, you know? You, yeah. It's just total genetic and thing. You don't want to be around way, that girl. Cause you know, that girl. That. There's a place for that. I mean, the, well, you know. it's there. I, I often think that it's there the same re- for the same reason. Religion's there. All this controlling behavior is because we ultimately have this weird for, sort of a group goal. And the weird group goal is the progression of technology. The weird group goal is the progress. And I say that and people say, well, no, it's not just about technology. It's about social engineering. It's about life. It's mm, yeah, but what's at the front? What's at the front of the line? The front of the line is what's the latest, greatest shit we're inventing. That's How much does the culture evolve? We still have most of the same fucking stupid laws in place that were in place in the 60s and 70s. Pot is still illegal, okay? Yeah, the culture is still wonked out of their mind. You know, the culture is still really fucking weird. But technology is in another place. But, the evolution of technology is a thousand times faster. Well, you know what it does? Technology, for example, in porn, for example, it gives you exactly what you want right now in, in every technicolor detail. And there was an article I read by this, uh, I can't remember her name, this... this, uh, this Slutty McFuckstick? Yes, this, Slutty wo- no, this woman fuck. who said that they're, they're finding this interesting phenomenon with teenage boys, and that is that these kids are now have access to RedTube, and they're watching porn starting at 10, 9, and they're getting exactly what they want. Here's the problem. When you and I, when you and I saw a naked girl, that, right when we met, we didn't have the internet. Right. When you saw yeah. tits and you saw an ass, you were just like, holy oh, yeah. shit. I wasn't worried about oh, lines. Yeah. I wasn't worried about shaving. I was just like, yeah. look at the, t- just the smell of her. I was yeah. like, I don't care. She could have a hoof and a horn. I'm fucking her. I don't care, dude. dude. I'm, I'm, I'm this far. Now what they're finding is boys are, they're so used to seeing perfection and exactly what they want that they'll see a girl and they'll be like, ah, she's got a dent there. I don't like <laughs> that. Fuck it. I'm bored. On to the next. And these kids are going from girl to girl to girl to girl. And girls are having to rise to that occasion and become sluttier and sluttier to keep to hold a boy's interest. And they've, wow. they've done a lot of really interesting social studies on it. Which And what you know what it's causing? It's causing boredom. It's causing sexual boredom among... The, this is what the, their article says. Among said. the a, weak... Well, yeah, I mean, or, or <laughs> everybody else is just or, getting more butt or, sex or addictions or weird yeah, addictions. They are weird. And sexual sexuality yeah. can very well be an, anything where you think about it too much can be an addiction. Because you're chasing a sensation. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, you know, look, I've been addicted to a lot of fucking things in my life. I've never been addicted to a drug, but I've been addicted to a lot of fucking things in my life. And there was a guy that, there was one of the clearest forms of sexual addiction. There was this guy that was in a wheelchair and he was a nice guy and he used to play in this pool league that I played in. We played this, um, this uh, weekly tournament. And he was always there. And he had to play in a wheelchair. And he was, in, you know, it's fucking hard, man. It's, it's hard yeah. going around in life when yeah. you can't move your legs. So he started talking to me about prostitutes. That he gets a lot of prostitutes. I'm like, all right, yeah, it's good this guy gets some prostitutes. Probably, you know, guy's got a lot of fucking pent-up sexual pressure. And I hope they don't take advantage of him, right? Yeah. But then he starts talking, like, about how he gets really upset if their feet aren't perfect. He got, like, really weird. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's a guy who's an ugly guy. He's ugly. And he's talking about girls. And he wasn't just talking about prostitutes. He, but he doesn't like their feet. Their feet have to be perfect. They have to be perfect. She's not taking care of her feet. I get upset. And I'm like, God damn, dude, you should be so happy that someone wants to hug you. Now, do you know, what do you give a fuck what color her nails are on her toes, you know, weirdo? Do you know, according to this one book called The Murder Room, that, that this guy who's a, a, a serial killer profile who specializes in sadism, and he, he was, he's, he, do you know about this? It's really interesting. The Vidoc Society, where they, they get together um, uh, like the third Thursday of every month, all these retired profilers and, and detectives, and they solve cold cases. 
uh, and and the rule is it's got to be an unjust case where a little girl was killed or something. Right. You know, it can't be a drug dealer who was knocked off. Right. They, they find, but it's usually they deal with serial killers or people who got away with it and they think it's a serial killer and they've solved a lot of crimes. And he said, and he's he's the he basically wrote the helix on on the evolution of a serial killer that the FBI still uses today on profiling, and he said that almost all serial killers start with a fetish. Wow. Start with a fetish, and it, and once you get into the fetish, once you get into you know whatever it might be, coming on somebody's feet, and then you wanna then you wanna you know maybe choke them or whatever, you don't go back. You mentally never go back to being normal. Once you start going down the rabbit hole, some people stop. Some people stop. Some people stop at you know they like to stop at whatever it might be. feet shitting on your fucking. Face and this is extreme fetishes. This is not just like I have a fetish for Asians. Well, no, a it's lot funny, of them. Though, a lot of them will start with start rubbing, with rubbing against strangers in buses. Ugh. That's a huge or on trains. So they'll take trains and they and they'll just rub up against a stranger. Here's another really creepy one. Sometimes they'll find leather coats cut like just really finely cut with a razor. That's something called peakerism, which is where they like to cut your skin. That shit is a very common thing. That's yeah. where it's fucking. So they're cutting you like when you're standing in an well, elevator well, or something. Well, they'll fantasize about it, you know, and they practice on coats, but they'll do it in a public place because it's dangerous. It's like you know they might get caught. Ooh. Fucking nutty shit, man. It's more weird shit where the fucking mind is not wired right. That what is, is that? Is that a well, social thing? Well, is that a? There's a there's there's a lot there's a lot of new science to suggest that if you are an evil person, let's just say you're a serial killer or you're just a killer. What, what there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you lack the ability, not only with the medigula, which is the, the part of the brain that I guess, you know, deals with compassion and things, but you also may also not have the neuron um, synapses required to actually um, um, fire when somebody's being hurt and it causes a, a sense of uh, disdain or, or, um, or, or you feel bad about it. The, the, so, so as we learn more about the brain, it may just be that criminals, for the most part, are brain damaged, are simply brain damaged. So that raises a really important question. If, then, you can prove that someone has a lesion the size of a pinhead on a certain part of their brain that causes them to lack any kind of compassion and in fact causes them not to be able to feel at all and so they have to do crazy shit just to feel just to be alive right so what do you do with that person what does that what does that say well you can kill them you can kill them (laughs) but i'm talking about as a society if you see that they are brain damaged now here's another study them and kill them okay or how about this what if you have the means to actually fix that lesion on the brain depends on what they've done it does. If they've right? already done something fucked up, you got to kill them. What if I could prove scientifically that they're hundred percent normal with all the ability to com- feel compassion? You still mm. got to. It's still gotta justice, kill right? Yeah, you got to kill them. Well, that's... yeah, you can't, can't have them walking around if that guy killed your sister. No, could you, you imagine can't. if you, you were can't. walking around and some guy killed your sister? He's like, hey, sorry, no. I just had some shit wrong no, in my brain. but but it does raise it does raise questions. We're going to be grappling with at the, another thing about technology as we learn more about the brain, and you find that a lot of criminals have an underdeveloped, for example, medulla. I think mm-hmm. that's the word. Is that what the part of the brain? I don't know. No, okay. no, no. Brain let's call it, let's say, let's say medigula because it let's sounds Let's make better. up another word. It sounds it's better. It, sounds, it rhymes with Caligula. <laughs> Look it up on the internet. Your shaman it sounds like a, a Caligula. But the point is, is that that's fucking interesting to me. Mm-hmm. All of a it sudden, is interesting, you're actually brain damaged. So mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to feel. You don't even fucking know how to process that. And you haven't since you were born. Right, but aren't, so, aren't a huge, isn't a huge, but how, where does that come from? Because a huge percentage of these serial killers, it seems, come from some sort of a torturous childhood. Uh, yes, and huge, then some huge don't. percentage. And then some, some don't, don't, right? But and is that, that some don't bullshit? Maybe. Because, you know, like Maybe. Jeffrey Dahmer's parents claim that they didn't fuck him. 
You know, oh, everything is fine. He's pretty normal. Yo, yo, something happened. There is no question. I don't, I don't buy that. But there's no question, though, that a lot of very evil people. Let's take Stalin. Not actually, not a good example. Let's take. There are a lot of like, like shitty, the really terrible dictators. Right, but isn't uh, it a part? The real problem is finding their history. You don't know. Yeah. yeah you don't God, know. who the fuck knows, man? I, I think that you're definitely wounded sometime in your in in a crucial stage of your development. Probably that seems to be that's another theory I've heard where people say as you're developing, right. a lot of times if you're developing sexually and mentally at a certain age, and you see something really horrific and violent, um, you will you can associate violence with sexual um, release there's right. all kinds of shit like that or as a way of coping with something you can't even put into context you right. turn it sexual because it's a defensive mechanism that's the it's thing like, with a lot of girls that have been raped right. they, a right. lot of girls who've been molested and raped they, they turn to porn that's exactly right because they relive the trauma they call it reliving it you know Strange. You would think that it would turn them off. You it know? does. Some people, it does. Yeah. Well, the, the the mystery is that you see people who go through the worst abuse in the world, and they come out of it incredible people right. who give back to society, and they're everybody's hero. And then you see somebody where one thing happens. One thing happens at the right time, and they turn into they're they're in and out of rehab for the rest of their life. Look at look at people who make a shitload of money. A lot of their kids, good looking, tall, they're doing all the thing, and they spend their whole life battling a drug drug problem. Mm -hmm. Whereas one dude comes up from in an orphanage and ends up running the fucking running a company or you know whatever it might be. Yeah, but it's you know weird. I think it's it's all really kind of clear if you look at it like in the progression of their lives, what kind of experiences have they had, how they move towards you know solving or getting past that experience, and what can you learn from watching them. I mean, right. if you really wanted to, really wanted to take the the crazy point of view, the crazy point of view is that this world is really your imagination, and that everything that takes place in this world is really a lesson for you. Mm. You can either learn from it or not. You can see the whole thing as some grand play played out for your amusement. And in every weakness, you can you can you can learn. And w one of the the issues that I have with human beings, and like I said with religion, I I get upset at things that I'm afraid of seeing in myself. You know, I get upset at weakness in people. I get upset at jealousy. I get upset. At, I get upset at all the things that I'm terrified of seeing in myself. Sure. And it's almost like that that plays out for you. It's like these are all. Here's your school. The world is your your. This is your path to enlightenment. Here's the world in front of you. This is a shaky roadmap of enlightenment. You said something that that always stuck with me. I never forgot it. And and I wasn't that young a guy when you said it. It was actually kind of recent. It was about five years ago. And there was this situation that I'd been in and I, it was, we were at dinner and I fucking freaked out and with my girlfriend at the time. And you said to me the next day, you go, dude, you got to become the star of the movie that you live in. You can't be a, you can't behave that way because that's not what the star of the movie would do. In other words, you, you make a choice as to how you behave and who you want to be. And that is a series of choices. That, you can that choose is, to be someone that you would admire. That's exactly fucking right. And that's not easy to do. It takes responsibility. It takes saying no to a lot of shit. But it does. Know. But, but it's, it's also it is in a way. It's also it is easier in a way. It is. You, you make yes. your fucking choice. And I think you also know exactly. I always find people who act like they're really confused and they'll ask me advice about how to live their life. And I start looking. And I'm like, dude, you know exactly what you're supposed to. Yes, but do. no. It is very confusing if you haven't made steps already. Yeah. If you're if you're one of those people that have never ventured into the deep water and you're afraid to jump in, well, it's fucking true. scary. The big for a lot of people, any sort of change is terrible. 
terrifying. Yeah. Any movement where, you know, I'm thinking about leaving this job and pursuing my dreams, that's fucking terrifying for a lot of it people. It is terrifying because a lot of times it doesn't work out, but I just... But they haven't done it. If you've done it a bunch of times, like, hey, I already did this, already did that, already tried moving sports, here, and sports, sports, sports make a big... Stand-up, I mean, acting. I was listening to uh, Mark Maron, I think he was talking to Greg Fitzsimmons, somebody sent me this clip, <clears throat> where Maron was talking about how if he was upset with anything, it was that his parents never instilled a sense of healthy competition in him. For him, it was always, if he's losing the game, he's throwing the board up in the air, and then the fucking game's over, because mm -hmm. he, he could, couldn't take it, because it was like life or death. And that's such an important point, man, and a healthy form of competition. And, and by healthy, one of the things is you got to lose. I was about to say, you got to feel that. You learn a lot more a lot of times by losing. Yeah, you learn you what do you do winning. wrong. You get motivated. You know, I I still to this day do a lot of jujitsu. And one of the things about jujitsu is you get tapped, man. You get tapped all the time. I roll with good guys. I get caught, man. It's just, and when you're getting caught, it's a matter of do I tap out or does my arm break? Do right. I tap out or do, are you going to fuck my neck up? Right. You know, do, you know, and that's just, but by doing that all the time, you get very humble Absolutely. it's it's and you get used to losing and winning and you realize that you're the 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 good that you do whether you good do good at jujitsu or any other game one of the reasons why i'm obsessed with games is because there's a direct correlation in my mind between focusing excellence like focusing my my energy and my concentration on something and then seeing direct results and then applying those direct results to the rest of my life I, I, and with some people they never have any real competition in their life and because of that when anything comes up anything that's big anything that does require you to rise the occasion or or deal with a social issue you fucking freeze lock up, up man freeze up. you freeze up because it's scary you know you 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 know michael jordan um they always say had his he holds the statistic for hitting the the most last minute winning shots okay guess what he also holds the statistic for the most losing missing the most game winning shots he's also that's, a notorious gambling yeah, addict but that that's but that's in a book that's in a book called uh, outliers that i thought was really interesting yeah takes a Malcolm chance Gladwell, yeah he he missed as many he missed more than he made now yeah. he's a legend and he he was the greatest basketball player ever but that took a lot of fucking missing and a lot of losing it took a lot of obsession too it's he's a fascinating subject to me i follow him very closely Do you? yes very closely because i'm obsessed with extreme winners yeah i'm extra because i think there's a madness to it and i, I I truly believe that in order to be truly great at something, you have to give in to a certain amount of madness. And how much can you manage that madness? I don't know. But guess what? If you want to be that guy flying through the fucking air with your tongue out in front of the baddest motherfucking basketball players in the world and kicking shit on a level that they've never seen before, Dr. J, suck my dick, stupid. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to fly through the air. How about that? How about I'm going to do some shit that nobody's ever done? I'm going to hit some fucking layups that's going to have all you white bitches scratching your head. Artie Lang used to say, if Michael Jordan had been on the Titanic, it would not have sunk. <laughs> he would have been fucking bugged. He would have just yeah, plugged every hole. I, I'm fascinated by ultra bad motherfuckers, but there's a reality to the there's a madness to them to all of them Dude. every single one of them and Michael Jordan is an extreme he one he lost at pool once didn't talk to his teammate for three days yeah you know I I, I believe it I believe he, he's also got a real real problem with gambling and any sort of games and I know that that thing in myself yeah. when I was younger I had a real problem with it I'm much much better now but when I was younger I had a real problem with games yeah and he's got it bad man with golf he's got it bad dude he loses and he doesn't even pay he gets mad at people and doesn't pay he owed some fucking golf hustler a half a million dollars oh and the guy God. wrote a story it was i believe it was esquire it was it esquire or gq one of those magazines and there was a big ass story about michael jordan and you know how he's how he's gambling with michael jordan michael jordan wouldn't pay him and michael jordan is just this 
ultra bad motherfucker who's obsessed with it. He just has to constantly get new pussy. He has to constantly get the latest Ferrari. He has to constantly be playing golf and winning money and gambling on basketball games and gambling on baseball games and gambling on whatever the fuck he can, man. He's just out there I think a lot of athletes, a lot of athletes have so much trouble fucking yeah. managing. How about this? Go to factcheck.com. 60%, 60% of NFL football players leave the league in bankruptcy. Dude, did you see that? There was that? a thing about all the different basketball Somebody, players. Somebody, by the way, check that out because I think I, on factcheck.com, I believe that's the statistic. It's 60%. We can check it out right now. Yeah. 60% of, would you of, say? Of, of NFL football players are bankrupt. I think it's like a year after they've, they've, they've played football or by the time they retire or something crazy. Did you see what Norm McDonald bet on that pack fight the other day? Oh, well, I know a guy who bet 800000 oh, Are you serious? Yes. How about that? I know a guy who bet 800000 so to win 100000 I'm so glad I don't have that fucking kind of problem. I mean, to win 100000 That was pretty safe, but yet I, he didn't fight up to... 60%. There it is. Within five years of retirement. 60% of NFL football players within five years of retirement are bankrupt. Think about that. It's because you're just invincible. You're the biggest, strongest, fastest guy in the world, and you got to get that juice somehow. You yeah. got to buy shit. You got to just, you know. Well, there was a there was a thing about pro athletes that have all been uh, that have lost all their money, and they're, they're guys who like Latrell Sprewell, oh, dude. Guys who dude. like big legends. names, legends, big names, and they're broke. They owe millions and millions of dollars. You know, and I, I have this weird thing where I go on hip hop sites and I look hip hop sites. One of the things you see nowadays is how many guys are in bankruptcy, like half of their gossip. You know, everyone's got their own gossip. You know, you go on like baby websites, celebrity baby. Oh, you know, it looks like they're fighting and, you know, the, the baby's turned four, you know, but you go on hip hop websites and the gossip is overwhelming. If you're a, if, this guy's losing his house. If you're a this pro guy's... athlete or you're a hip hop, the first thing you should do in your entourage is have fucking three accountants following mm -hmm. you everywhere. Just, just hire. Go to New York, find a Jewish or Italian accountant, have them fucking follow you around all the time. Well, you know, Iran Barkley. You know who he was, right? Yeah. Beat Thomas yeah. Hearns, yeah. former, I think, yeah. super middleweight champion. Yeah, he's a bad, bad, bad motherfucker. Barkley's a badass. But he turned homeless. He became uh, homeless. Well, he had a, he had a major crack problem. Too. Was it a crack yeah. problem? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. But what, what they were saying, what he was saying rather, was he was hanging out with Eddie Murphy and Michael, or hanging out with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio <laughs> Hall, and he's like, I had to fucking keep up. You know, so he was, you know, buying a Mercedes and the best watches, and then that shit runs dry. And, t you know, that's like the, the most transient of jobs or the most yeah, temporary yeah, of jobs. I mean, God. And by the way, how much, how much money, do you, to tell, you would know better than I would. If you make, if you get a $20 million payday, right, and you're a mm -hmm. boxer, how much of that money after taxes and, and gym? There's and a lot. How much do you see? Lot. There's a lot that's missing, okay? The guy, the guy that's making the $20 million thinks, I have $20 million, but you don't. You got about First six. of all, yeah, you got about six, maybe. You might not maybe. even have six. You might have four that's because right. you have to pay taxes, okay? So half's gone. Yep. When, you're in, when you're above $250,000, is it, or mm -hmm. is it $400,000? Whatever the fuck it is, there's a certain level that you're above where you're essentially paying 40-something yeah, percent in taxes. 400, 400, yeah. yeah, okay, so there's, there's that. <clears throat> then you have managers and agents. So I don't know how it is in, in boxing, but in, uh, in a lot of uh, – in, in comedy, for instance, you and I, we have a manager and an agent. The manager takes 15%. The agent takes 10%. Do there's a, 25 Do you have a business manager? Yes, yeah, so there's there 30 <laughs> So gone. money's gone. Forget it, a publicist yeah. too. I yeah. don't have one, but I mean, you know. And then, of course, you have property taxes, and there's a lot of things you have to pay, and the bills are high. But the, the amount of money that you actually get is like 34 cents on a dollar or something silly like right. that. It's something, something ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, so these guys spend like they actually have 20 million bucks. 
But that's part of the fun, man. It's part of the fun is watching someone walking around with giant diamond-encrusted chains and crazy fucking watches, and then the, a month later finding out that they lost their house. There's something, there's something Joe Rogan. for you, Joe Rogan, for your own amusement. Joe Rogan knew a comic who, who had a huge deal. He bought a Rolls Royce. Six months later, he was living in it. So there you go. Yeah, who was that? I, I don't know, but Dolph <clears throat> Davidoff knows. I can't remember the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, who was that? Um, That's why fuck. I bought a Ford Edge. <clears throat> solid you, car. You know, Ford makes some solid fucking cars. I can live in now. my Ford Apparently, Chrysler's making a big comeback because of a uh, yeah, an M&M commercial. An M&M commercial about Detroit, some slick Detroit oh, commercial M&M. that they did for the Super Bowl. Right. I can't. I drive a Prius, and even my fucking my girl makes fun Listen, brother. You only live this one life. Yeah. Go get yourself an M3. You got some really? money. Yeah, you used to have a BMW, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yourself. You want to borrow my car for a couple of days? It's great, huh? Drive around in an M3. Get some. You got some money, man. I'm not saying you should just blow it and get crazy, but enjoy it. I Don't should. drive a fucking Prius. Like You're a- in the Hangover too, son. Damn right, have everybody. A fucking solid and I'll car. Be, oh, by the way, I'll be at the Edmonton Comic Strip on Wednesday, Wednesday to fucking Sunday, and I will be bringing the heat. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada is That's the right. shit. It is fun, it's great. fucking place they have a lot of fights up there they have the mfc they put they put on big fights up there and a couple times i've done comedy shows like right before the fights and the fucking crowds are great i love canadians they get the comedy they go with you and they're polite and they're just they're so awesome they they have a good sense of humor how was how was the air quality when you were filming the the hangover too it's super Uh, bad there right that place smells i'm not i don't mean thai people are beautiful wonderful people but bangkok and thailand's bangkok just by the nature of the city and there's a it smells like garlic soup it smells like a big i was on the top of my hotel and i was like that well bangkok smells a lot a lot like fish and garlic and soup if you mix that together some people like it that's not (laughs) Farts. thing right they're great people uh, the ties are fucking awesome how long were you there for the only country never been colonized by the way uh, or, really or, yeah thailand is the only country well you can make the argument for vietnam but they've gone through so many wars fighting for their independence they're badass people but the ties somehow are always able to compromise and find a way to be just in the middle think about indochina in that area and how fucking incredibly volatile it always been the chinese were always invading vietnam they were all i mean they, that whole part was just life was always hard vietnamese are tough fucking people because their history has been a thousand years of keeping people out of their fucking country the french the chinese the Americans, they just never gave up. When you look at fucking ties, somehow, somehow, they were able to just keep everything real kosher. They just played the road. They were like, hey, America, we're your friends, but not really good friends. Hey, Russia, you guys want to fuck our girls? <laughs> we, we, we got great food, beautiful women, the weather's great. Come on in. It's a wild culture, great too, beaches. though. Yeah. They're, the and Muay Thai fights, oh, the Muay Thai fights in, in Thailand really are like those old Van Damme movies. Dude, they're badass like oh, waving cash in the air Fuck and, and yeah. gambling. They're tough. They're no joke, but they yeah. just they're really good at being communal. Like they, they, I think I think at the root of Thai culture is this notion of being able to compromise and negotiate hmm. and not not spoiling, not taking the fucking chessboard thrown in the air. Just let's just let's keep playing. I lost a little bit, but it's nice. It's the battle. It's the war itself is. Uh, there is no war. It's a beautiful way of looking at life. They're not too competitive about shit. They have a king still, right? And you can't shit on the king. Well, the king is the, the one king. place. Thailand is an incredibly liberal place. For, and and I, you know, I did a little reading on the culture and stuff, and it's a very liberal place. But the one thing that they never they have no sense of humor about is their king and, really and the reason is because there's a there's a there's a form of superstition it, it, it's a, what a lot of people um, 
uh, they're very superstitious about their king. Their king is considered to be a semi-deity. And they take huh. that shit seriously. And I was there, um, I don't know what the holiday was, but it was a time when you were supposed to give alms to you know, the king. And, and it was a religious ceremony. And they would walk by and all of them would put their hands together. Even people on the street would walk by this, this golden shrine and put their hands together and bow. So it might be one of the last cultures on earth that, that feels that way. Um, about their king. I mean, you know, like North Korea. Probably, North Korea probably. is under a the dictatorship Tibetans, that's the terrifying. Tibetans, the Tibetans have this notion that that the Dalai Lama is the that's the a little first different Rinpoche too, right? So, yeah. yeah, because that's a religious thing. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this but is also a little bit as well. I think so, very much. Do, so. do wow? Does the king do shady shit? Does no, like, no. The king, from what I understand, his son is a little bit different. His son has fallen a little bit out of favor with the people. He's a playboy and he's a product of just, you know, having oh, a lot of money. Oh, shit. But his dad, his dad is, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I, his son was, you don't hear bad things about his son, but his father was always this sort of sober, staid presence. And he's just having his, a good time. He, not really. Kid. He took it, yeah. But, but even that kid, they take their, their role as a symbol very, very seriously. And they know how important and how, uh, how, how important a symbol they are. Um, to sort of, uh, uh, you know, the, the notion that we are, we are what you should aspire to, which is, you know, being conservative. Like a lot of things about the Thai women, like people think, well, because there are a lot of like strip clubs and there's a big sex trade there that Thai women are loose. Absolutely not. In fact, in Thai culture, women are, they, it's not like you just go fuck a lot of people at all. They're very conservative in their own families and as, as, a, as a group of people. I've talked to a lot of Thai people about that and, and, and women who are there, who are working and stuff. She's like, it's a huge misconception, the notion that you can just meet a Thai girl and get and, and bang. So it's, it's just the prostitutes are yeah. so prevalent. Yeah, that... well, because they make it legal. Right. They don't try to control it. They, and they, they zone it. There's a, there's a red light district where I spend all my time. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and and they have numbers and it's and you know you can for nineteen dollars you can you can pay the bar fine whatever the fuck it is sixty bucks you can bring them back they, it's all very cheap but you see these like f- disgusting fat barnacle ridden German tourists who are sixty with this like you know fifteen year old farm girl from the north of Thailand or Cambodia or Dos Vietnam. Is good. And uh, and it's and it's just, not a it's it's not a, a, a sinful thing in their culture. No, it's it's a, not, it's, it's almost like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna help this person. Uh, it's like I'm gonna give them a massage. Yeah. And, and so by weird. the way, I think a, a huge strength of the Thai people also is the notion that there's a lot of power and strength in giving. Mm. There's a lot of power and strength in being subservient and making you feel welcome and have a good time. Dude, I'm fucking moving to Thailand. Yeah, yeah. I like I'm ready. If, yeah. I'll tell you something. If I was an old single dude. Would just like to watch kickboxing. I fucking moved to Thailand. If I didn't a have any friends, of, I, heard, I heard the air air quality is so bad that you can't get walk one, around without one of those, those masks. Dope masks, yeah, but bro. You have to, if you, but you don't have to live in Bangkok. No, you live in Phuket in those I, places in yeah. Bali. Is Phuket cool? As, I, I, I thought I've about never, going there I've on vacation. Been. I've never been. There's Tiger Muay Thai there. I'm like, how cool would it be to go on vacation? Just train Muay Thai it, for like a week. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just hang out in Thailand. Probably some of the best scuba diving in the world. Is it safe? Yeah. For tourists and everything. That's the other thing about even Bangkok. It's incredibly safe. Even Bangkok? Bangkok, you know, I mean, it's a huge city. I never once heard anybody tell me you shouldn't walk around. I walked around everywhere. You can go everywhere. You know, all the, the, the Zach and all, Zach Galifianakis. Clearly they had never seen Mad TV. That's exactly right. <laughs> I got recognized. I had my feet massaged. That's it. That's it. Then I got jerked off. No, <laughs> two girls, four dicks hands. and feet, dicks and feet. I just brought it back. Dicks See, it's full circle. Does anybody want a coconut water? Yeah. But hey, got, thank you, C2O, recognize. for sending me some cases. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, you lucky. Uh, what you got left? 
I love coconut water. Two girls for speaking of Thailand. You went silent just to. He, saw, he stopped talking. Thanks. He saw the coconut water. He stopped talking. Yeah. Um. Yeah. C2O, folks. <laughs> know, coconut water. It he is the shit. Up. What was uh? What was the nature of your stay? You were filming the um, Hangover Two, and for how long were you there? I was there for almost two weeks. I stayed at the Four Seasons. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, damn, son. Sweet. Like a playa. When, when you do a were movie you by like yourself? That, you didn't fly your family out? Nothing. Nah, I was just by myself, man. Two weeks, man. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, Did it it's freak a long you out. Time. Yeah, it always freaks me out when I'm away. But um, I don't really like traveling. I did so much of it as a kid that I, I just, you know, I've had opportunity to go to South Africa. And well, you Australia. lived in the yeah. Middle East. Yep, I did. This is uh, something I wanted to talk to you about because I wanted to know if you remember the place that you were when you heard the news that the prince was wed. <laughs> that, the, that the prince, the was, prince was wed. I can't was, believe you just said that because that was probably the highlight of my life. And I was sleeping. I'm kidding. I wasn't. Of course, this I wasn't. woman said to Happened me, at two in the morning. This woman said to me, like, I bet you didn't even watch. You didn't even watch the thing. She's like, yeah. I go, no, I did. I didn't. I didn't watch. No, the thing. I'm straight and I'm a man. Did That's you, just oh, the way it I is. I said this woman actually it was my mom. I'm trying to figure out who said it to me. Like, you ever, you know, you know how someone says something and you go, who the fuck said that? Because it was like in my mind, it was like this older woman. Why am I talking to her? She's at a store. Oh, it's my mom. Yeah. See, my I mom be, was just I, here. Sorry, I'd, I'd love to be the prince. I, I'll tell you, if I was a prince and I was a good-looking guy like he was, I wouldn't be getting fucking married. Yeah, he's got to. I'd, gotta, just, I'd just be a fucking dirty bastard. He's got to do what he's got to do, though, you know. But anyway, my mom said, uh, you didn't watch it, did you? I go, no. And she says, well, this, these gay folks that live down the street from us, they had a big party. They had a big party for the prince. I go, really? How awesome is that? She goes, it was hilarious. She goes, they were talking about her dress and her shoes, and they all got excited. They had like 50 people over their house watching the wedding on TV. They got up early. Wow. <laughs> I yeah, love it. because it's live, I you know. Love it. It's a different time. So God they, bless. Yeah, they're God fucking so crazy. They are. They're been, like 10 hours ahead of us or something yeah. at least, no, right? Uh, eight, 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 8 hours ahead of us. You've been following all this Osama shit like, oh, Osama grew weed on his on he his did. arm and he stuff. He did grow weed, but that's super common in the Middle East. Did you see yeah. the video Hashish. that they they yeah. released yesterday, I think that they they released all these like home videos that they found at yeah. the compound. Yeah. They're suspect because you know the CIA has admitted that they were going to make fake news stories. Yeah, okay, but I don't believe that this fake Okay, think, but hold on a second. The, C, the CIA has admitted in, several times that they were going to make fake news stories. This is after 9-11, yeah. and they said to, to throw off the terrorists, they were going to make fake news stories. As soon as they start saying, they're letting everybody know, we're going to lie to you. The, the, the depths of their lies is only your imagination. Who the fuck knows? I mean, when, when you see him and he's got, like, uh, his beard is dyed black, mm -hmm. and then you see other videos of him and his beard is white, I don't buy that. Well, this is, but hold on a second. Yeah. This, this is why I don't buy that. It's because there right now will absolutely be an active campaign to discredit him. If they have murdered him, if they did shoot Osama bin Laden and he was unarmed, they will discredit him. And one of the ways they're going to discredit him is to make him look vain and to make him look like he's a, 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 a crazy dictator who's, you know, living in squad or like he's an insane person. So if you show pictures of his house and his house is all fucked up in disarray and there's blood all over the place and there's just garbage everywhere and then you show pictures of his beard and it's black, he looks like a nutty man. You know you see the, do you see the video of him but, there just watching TV, though? Yeah, where, but how where, do you know that's him? Yeah, but, but that could be anybody. First of all, though, here, well, here's, and he's yeah. got a white beard in that but, video, but for by anybody the way. who talks about conspiracy and the idea that this might be a fake story, anybody, take a look at how the U.S. government works. Take a look at, for example, how these operations work. Let me tell you something. When you do a, when you do a major operation like that, you've got SEAL Team 6. First of all, it's got to go through all kinds of civilian channels right mm -hmm. away. And they have to be privy to all kinds of information, not to mention the Security Council and everything else. If you take a look at, and I'm talking about the hundred people at least who have top secret clearance, who all have different agendas mm -hmm. and have no interest in glorifying Barack Obama at all, a lot of those people. 
all of them. I mean, the, the, the idea that you could ever pull off this, this, this fake assassination of Osama bin Laden after we've been trying to get him for this long is, is it wouldn't work even in a Hollywood movie. And when you talk about fake stories, what the CIA was doing with those fake stories was they were leaking them. It's true to, to, to on Al Jazeera and things like that. But mainly what they would do is they want to get information out of you. And you're a young man who believes in your iman and you got, you got captured. They'll show you a fake headline of the New York Times. And they'll say, look what happened. All your guys have been killed and all of them are singing like canaries. They used all kinds of techniques of course. like that. There's no doubt that you don't want to trust the CIA. But the, 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 what's wonderful about our government, and, and this is just a fact, is anytime you try to keep a secret or come up with a huge conspiracy like this, you're dealing with 16 other people who have a totally different agenda who, do, who want nothing more than to expose you. And anytime you have a group of people, whether it's Kissinger and Nixon or whoever, who try to come up with their own agenda to steer foreign policy, or my God, come up with a way to glorify their president, which is what this did for the Democrats. And, and I'll tell you something, the Republicans are going to have no, they, they can no longer use the notion that Obama is weak on terrorism for this upcoming election. So I can promise you there were plenty of Republicans who would have loved to have taken credit for this. You, 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 you'd have to go through, it'd be basically impossible. I mean, you can't, and by the way, launching a team like SEAL Team 6, that was so what was interesting about this was it was so risky for the president that that notion here's why if you're if you're young and you don't vote this is why forget the platform you're on whether you're republican or democrat when you vote for a president make sure that guy has wisdom make sure that guy is an intellect and he has wisdom and here's why when you're the president of the united states you have very little power but you also have a great deal of power and this is how it works they come to you with six different scenarios and they say mr president we have a lot of intelligence to suggest that Osama bin Laden, who's been protected by the ISI and whoever it is in Pakistan, he is living in a compound. Now, we could drop, here was one of the options, we could drop 60,000 pounds worth of bombs on that and create a crater and comb the place for DNA and see if it really was him. Or we can send in a crack commando team like SEAL Team 6 and take this guy out. Why is that risky? Well, here's why. A couple reasons. Uh, you're sending in a team. It is a third of a mile or something crazy or three miles or less away from a what, what, what Pakistan's West Point is, this huge military facility. They're going to scramble jets, which they did, and a whole bunch of other things the minute they start hearing gunshots right, right in their quarter. And by the way, there are a lot of people in the military who probably know he's already there anyway. So we send on our team. If Americans die and we fail at this or our helicopter stalls, which it did— you were taking, you, you can say goodbye to your fucking, your election. So you had all those guys in that war room, Hillary Clinton and Gates. Hillary wasn't the there. The Didn't you see the news headline? She was photoshopped out of the picture. Oh, they photoshopped her out? A couple countries photoshopped her out. That's funny because she's, wow. she's a woman. But, but, awesome. but, but the bottom line is you see all these people, including <laughs> Obama, sitting there with incredible, ten, incredibly tense faces. And he took the weekend to think about whether or not to move in on that. And that's where the responsibility of the president So you think that the president is. really gets that kind of a control? I know he does. You know, I, How do you know he does? Because, because, how can you because say that? I read American He's history. He's in the hangover too. No, no. Yeah, but, read but, any biography but, from you, a president. Do you, think and, that, do you really think that there's one guy that gets to make the call? He has, that, that is how our government works. The final, the commander in chief makes the final decision when you give him four or five, six, seven sure. scenarios. And by the way, those scenarios come from the Department of Defense, 
Pentagon, State Department. They come from your Secretary of State. They come from your CIA so director. So literally, there is no military-industrial complex. There's one guy that's got his finger at the button, and he's able well, to push none, all the switches. That's not what I said. What I said is that there's— and he gets to make the call. The military-industrial complex is so many competing interests as well. Right. But, but it is true that there's a lot of profit in war, but there's also a lot of risk in war. I right? agree with everything you said. I agree with everything you said about the, the SEAL Team 6, the baddest motherfuckers in the world. These are the guys that, by the way, if you don't know, being a SEAL is incredibly difficult. Then they take the best of the SEALs and 50 fucking percent of them wash out because they can't handle what it takes to be in T SEAL Team 6. I mean, I've read uh, the Dick Marchenko books and all the, the dude, it's, they're, another, they're on another level of human being. They're different. They're on another level of human yeah, being. Yeah. Boss Rutten was telling me how he trains the SEAL Team 6 and there's a record they had for running up and down this hill. Mark Hominick had it. He ran up and down this hill four times. It's a huge hill. The SEAL Team's guys, they did it 12 times and Boss had to stop them because he thought they were going to die. Jesus Christ. They're, they're on another level. They're on another level. Different. And yeah, and they're not going to do, they, they all have different agendas, but the, the bottom line is the government has lied about a bunch of stories like this in the past. Except Jessica for? Lynch is a, is a perfect example. Yes, There's the woman that was, they, she was inside of a fucking hospital, and they pretended there was this crazy gunfight to get her out and rescue her from the Iraqis. And what, what really turned out was it was just a girl in a hospital, but and there was no bullet shot at all. To your point, and that what you just said, let me, let me piggyback on that. Exactly. Okay. Now, it would have been in our interest. It would have been very much in our interest to say Osama bin Laden had a machine gun and was shooting at us. And you know what happened within within hours as the story started unfolding? Mm -hmm. The truth came out. And you know what that was? A woman was in front of him. She charged. The guy shot her in the leg. Mm -hmm. And Obama, I mean, Osama was not armed, yet the guy shot him in the head. Now, right. Now, let me tell you, that's been a question, and and Bang Si Moon, I think, of uh, uh, the Secretary General of the United States, uh, United Nations, came out and said, well, you know, there was no trial, that's a bit barbaric. I don't know if that was who, who said it, but there was a lot of backlash, and said the guy was the guy was unarmed. Why the fuck didn't you arrest him instead of shoot him? And by the way, when they shot him, they had a picture. Uh, the picture had, the reason they haven't released it is because part of his skull got blown away. Now, what they do, which well, is really Why don't they just Photoshop that out? Well, blur what, blur that out and release the picture. But here's here. Put a kitten on it. Wait, wait, <laughs> Brian style. Here's what they Red did. Here's what they did. When the SEAL team said, how about this guy? He shoots Osama bin Laden in the head. He takes a picture of it. He faxes, he scans and sends that to 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 the office where they're all there. All mm -hmm. these people are there. Mm -hmm. They get this picture of Osama bin Laden's face. How do you know it's his? They put it through a facial recognition scan right away, mm -hmm. which is about about as they take the geometric proportions where your nose, your eyes, it's as, it's like a fingerprint. Mm -hmm. And they go, guess what? That's a match. That's Osama bin Laden. Then they take DNA as well. Mm -hmm. Then they got the body. And you know how many people saw his body? Probably, literally, a hundred. All the SEAL team guys, all those people on that ship that dressed the body, that read the rites, and then dumped him at sea. Which, according to Islamic law, you got to bury a body 24 hours after it's been killed. Yeah, but not supposed death. to be at sea. Well, the, the reason Doug Stanley had a great point. But the reason they didn't they did it at sea is because no country, including Saudi Arabia, where he's from, would take that body. Right, Nobody. because then it would be a, a it'd martyr. Be a shrine. It would be a shrine. Right. And um, Doug Stanhope had a great point. He said, "How come these uh, they identified his body within an hour? Yet it takes these poor fucking guys that are wrongly accused thirty years to get a DNA match <laughs> That's great. to get out of prison." It's so true. Doug Stanhope was amazing. It's so true. But it's, you know, it's, this, it's, this, it's this is a per perfect point. I mean, yeah. what the fuck, man? Is it is it really that important to kill some guy living in squalor? I mean, is it that much more important than, than rescuing citizens that are wrongly accused? It's, it's a good question, Joe, because it also raises, this assassination raises a fuckload of questions, one of which is, now that we've gotten the big, the big na name, mm -hmm. 
do you have a justification for being in Afghanistan? No, you don't. You never did in the first place. Listen, man, we're in in Afghanistan for minerals and probably heroin. (laughs) That's what we're in Afghanistan for. The Taliban had dropped heroin production down to minuscule levels. Now the United States is over there and we produce shit. More than 90% of the world's heroin in Afghanistan. More than 90% of the world's heroin is grown. That's, that's, the world is big. The world is big as fuck. And if 90% of the Viagra was grown in one little village, guess what? We would infiltrate that culture. We would find a way to corrupt them and turn them into terrorism. We would have them attack ships or blow things up. And then we'd use that as an excuse to go in and jack their Viagra. That's what we would do. Because that's what we've done forever. That's what we do. If there was, Viagra was, look, dude, big dick, hard dick pills are very fucking valuable, right? If you didn't, if they didn't exist. The Chinese would kill like tigers and get their In Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, the number one way that they bribe warlords, because if you don't know, the way Afghanistan is structured today in 2011, the reason why it's an unwinnable country and an unwinnable war, because it's not a country. It's It's a series of warlords that are all kind of interconnected and they they all live in these villages. Always has been. Yeah, always has been and it's not going to change the way they get them to rat on the taliban is they give them viagra that's the is number that one way yes wow. yes they sit them down I didn't know that. and yes the government sits them down and they say listen we'll, we'll get you guns i have guns get them out of here we'll give you women i have 20 wives i can't even fuck them we can help you there <laughs> Dude, you know, that's you know, what it is you know what i when i was there for 11 days and one of the things that starts with the marines you know what you know what's huge in afghanistan fucking boys no well uh, no all <laughs> yeah of them, right um, isn't well, it well 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 that's what the forum uh, said no it's true the, no that's true no, man no, i have a no, friend who satellite, went over there he no, caught a guy fucking a boy they right? all have satellite yeah. dishes they have satellite dishes and satellite dishes bring them porn Oh, and nice. porn is fucking huge because we're all humans. We all want to fucking bang. It's funny. There was uh, some, you know, everyone keeps on all these Osama stories are coming out and they're saying like people are saying that Osama was a huge video gamer that he used to play Guitar Hero. Uh, and so it's like all these bullshit stories now are coming he, out. He would have his children. Turn yeah. Lucy, the one guy who said he was a black belt in judo and he had yeah. photos of him. Dude, the yeah. Dude, I, I do want to smoke his weed, though. I want to. I bet he's when got Osama, some killer crops. When, when Osama bin Laden would listen to the news, he'd have his children stand by the TV. And when the music part would come up, come on, they would turn it down because he didn't. It wasn't. He was. He didn't want to listen to music. It would corrupt him. Wow. That's how fucking crazy he was. What a silly fuck. Yeah, the crazy thing guy. is that he used to work for us. He used to be with the down with the CIA when we were training the Mujahideen to fight against the Soviets. That yeah, motherfucker he, was yeah. down. He in wasn't actually. He never took a, a paycheck from the CIA, but he did. Um, he he was. Uh, he did himself open a lot of hospitals with his own money and things like that to, um, during the Mujahideen during uh, when the Soviets uh, were um, invading and and colonizing, trying to colonize uh, Afghanistan. If you were going to have a story that was going to, I mean, again, you know, the view that the world is a theater played out for your own enjoyment. Yeah. If you were going to have this story come to any conclusion, this was this is the best conclusion ever. Yeah. Okay, because if this was a fucking movie, all right, if this was the Hulk and the bad guy and just died mysteriously and then they dumped him in sea, they'd go, okay. And you'd buckle up and the credits would roll and you go, fucking for sure there's going to be a sequel. For sure. That guy's coming back. Yeah. They yeah. dumped him. And then they're going to show you how he didn't really die. And he right. came, you know, and then right. they fucking they snuck him he, out the back the, and shot the, some other guy in the head and said it was him. Even the assassination was pretty badass, man. They, got, they had to come in there with three helicopters. Sure, if it really happened that way. When you hear about the Jessica Lynch story, you have to wonder, man. You have to wonder how much of this story is true and how much of it is not. If Is it possible that they storm this fucking comp there are a bunch of Islamic militants there. There are a bunch of bad guys. They were looking for it. They they capped these motherfuckers.
motherfuckers, but there's no Bin Laden. They say, all right, here's what we do. We, we, we know what we're doing here. We're going to take Bin Laden. We've had him on ice for five years, and we're going to say we shot him. We're going to fuck these guys uh, up. Well, we're going to fuck well, up their mindset. And they're going to go, he wasn't there. Okay. We've been looking for him. He's not. We were, we've, we've been telling them this whole time. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fucking hiding Bin Laden. That's why we need to go to Pakistan with these drones and shoot hellfire missiles out of these drones into the mountainside to fuck all these people up. It's because they've got Bin Laden. Meanwhile, they're like, he's fucking dead. We're telling you Bin Laden's been dead forever. I haven't seen him. Well, Have you seen him? I haven't seen him. I, I think it actually puts the U.S. in a really tough position because now you've got a lot of people asking very tough questions of Pakistan saying, you guys yeah. No, he was there and Pakistan has been our ally for the most part they're not really but they've, they've ostensibly been our ally because we need them we a lot of our well our they're friends we pay routes, we pay right. them to be our friends but, but, but the, the most dangerous country in the world in a lot of ways is, is Pakistan they have a hundred nuclear weapons and growing and they've already given that technology already to Libya North Korea and um, uh, who the fuck else um, one other people one other person, one other group of people. And and to this guy, A.Q. Khan, they, they had complicity with the Pakistani military. And th there's no doubt that, the, that Pakistan has its own agenda. They're a fucking, they're terrified of India. They use, see, here's the thing about foreign policy nobody thinks about. We have our agenda, right? We go in with, well, we're going to go in Afghanistan. The motherfuckers that live there and around there, and they go, you guys are going to be gone in 10 years. We got to deal with what's really going on. So you want us to be mean to the quote-unquote Taliban, like you said. You know the Taliban is? It's the dude with the biggest fucking guns and the most drugs, okay? Yeah. That's who's going to be holding the cards after you guys leave. So after your centralized government, that big experiment where you have democracy in a country that's always been a series of tribes, you're going to tell me that, what are you going to do then? We have to deal with that fucking mess. We got to deal with that lawless area, Waziristan, etc. And that's what's funny. They kind of just wait and let us spend a shitload of money. And then they're like, ah, oh, look, a vacuum. And they just fill it up and it goes back to normal. That's the fucking tough thing about foreign policy, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very tricky thing, man. It's a it's a very tricky thing to go nation building. It's a game, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's nation it's, building is it's the a dumbest It's a resource idea. game. It's 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 so it's clearly dumb. a resource game because here's our biggest fucking physical threat of safety. You ready? Mexico. It's right next door. You can fucking drive there. Life is worth a nickel. It's and everyone's selling drugs. It goes back to what you said. How we started this podcast. You said telling your daughter to do one thing, she does the other. Yeah. You think you can nation build at the at the point of the, from the barrel of a gun? Yeah. You think you can do that? You're going to tell people how to behave? The minute you come in there and you're a foreigner who doesn't speak their language and you're telling them how to fucking live, what, what do people do? The minute they do that, they go, get the fuck out of here. And if I can't shoot you, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And when you're gone, spend all your money. When you're fucking gone, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do what I'm supposed and to. And we only go places where there's something. That's the only place where we go. We pretend that there's these big issues. It's just like I said about the country of Pfizer that produces Viagra. Yeah. If there was such a little land that produced Viagra, we would fucking steal from them. We would rob them. I, Mexico's I, got tacos, and tacos aren't worth that much. I, I, I believe that the only thing that has They've resilience, the only thing that has resilience, Don't hate the, only thing, the only way, the only thing that changes anything in life, and the only thing that has resilience, is ideas. An idea is very powerful. When an idea takes hold, like the constitution of this country or whatever, when an idea takes hold, if an idea called democracy takes hold, it'll fucking change and bring down mm -hmm. military dictatorships. Take a look at fucking all of South America. It was all military dictatorships. 20 years, the notion of democracy, even as messy as it is, 
took hold, it was an idea that you just couldn't fucking argue with. Right. That's, by the way, what's going on in the Middle East. This spring awakening with all these young people mm-hmm. who, who could give a shit about Islam, what they really care about is having a better life for themselves and their kids, and they want education and freedom of speech and representative government, which are human fucking rights. You try keeping that. Now that that's out of the box, just try. Good luck to all the Qaddafi and all his assholes. Good luck trying to keep that a lid on that shit. You're not mm. going to do it. Because, because that's caught fire, and they've seen how the rest of the world lives they can see it with their computers and their cell phones and you're never going to be able to keep the fucking truth down the two places you can't do it in cuba one the final vestige of that is north korea and those people are suffer so horribly it's sick but but that's the one place in the world that still somehow this 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 tyrannical dictator has the lid on but it, the, the, there is a, like we were saying, there is an true, evolution though. of freedom, isn't there? Isn't right, there? but it's true that the CIA is without a doubt involved in orchestrating a lot of these revolts. I mean, we, Absolutely. it's not that these things are happening organically. Wesley Clark in 2007 talked about you know, the United States plan in all these different foreign countries and many of them that have dictatorships, including Libya. Hmm. And he talked about the plans to overthrow Libya. And this was in 2007. It's true, but you know, the, the this spring awakening really actually caught a lot of people on their heels and especially a lot of Middle East experts because well, I think all you need to do is push it and then it goes well what's all, the, well the, how, you know how, how it happened in Tunisia a vegetable cart guy got these government officials came and they, they this is how the whole revolution started these these government guys said where's your license he didn't have a fucking license they threw his scales in the street and they took his fruit and smashed it you know what he did he fucking lit himself on fire Whoa! And he lit himself on fire in protest and that that proverbial match set off a fire across the Middle East. And Tunisia, this is the Egyptians? This is the Tunisians. And the Tunisians brought down a dictator who I believe had been in power for 25 years. He came down. His, name is, his last name is Ali. And they brought that motherfucker down. They brought that whole government down because that kid lit himself on fire. And then it caught fire in Egypt. Take a look at Syria. Take a look at what um, Bashar al uh, They're going door to door in Syria right now. They're, they're, they're being brutal because they're fucking awful. But, well, they're, but being, they're scared. Thousands they're, they're of people, thousands of people the are in the fucking streets. Yeah. And, that's, and, and it's like the French Revolution. History keeps repeating itself. How much of it you think is orchestrated? How much of this is just... Uh, just natural that people are tired of being fucked with and how much do you think is the United States? I think very little has to do with the United States. In fact, the U.S. doesn't, we can't even get our reporters into Syria. We can't even get reporters. Right, when you hear a guy like Wesley Clark who's a fucking, what is he, a four-star general running for president, he says that the United States had been plotting this covert operations. We'd always been. So they must have some influence on it. I think in the sense that we're trying to, well, I mean, the the influence we had, for example, in in Libya was that we, along with our NATO allies, said let's, we can't allow the, the Libyan military to fly over these rebel strongholds in these towns and just carpet bomb the fuck out of them and shoot them. We got to take, we got to create a no fly zone around these people. So in that sense, we did get militarily involved. It was very controversial. It still is very controversial. But, you know, the, uh, to, to an extent, I think that democratic countries, starting with Europe, and this was actually led by Europe, uh, they, they, they say, what is in our national interest? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it still in our national interest for Gaddafi or Mubarak in Egypt, who'd been there for 30 years? Is it in our national interest for that guy to be in power? There is a, there is a convenience when Mubarak is in power and you say, you can make a phone call to Mubarak and say, hey, um, you got you to gotta cooperate with Israel. 
because uh, it's in our national interest. Well, that's no longer the case. It's a different fucking ball game now. It's a different ball game. You're having to deal with the Arab street. You're having to deal with the will of the people. And uh, that's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. That's what democracy is. Yeah. I feel um, like I literally feel like I'm on a... A political like, talk yeah, show. Like, <laughs> right. I'm actually starting to talk that way. So anyway, <laughs> furthermore, blah, 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 blah. You know, when you, when you read shit like Confessions of an Economic Hitman and, you, you know, you, you see that we go only into countries that have massive natural resources that we want to stockpile and, and control... It, it makes you very skeptical about motivation. It makes you very skeptical sure. when you see all the money that people spend on war. And I'm not pro-socialist, but I am pro-fixing problems. And I think, I don't, I don't believe necessarily in welfare. Like, I don't believe that if you give people money that, you know, you're going to somehow or another improve their life because, they're, they're, you know, they were broke and now you give them money and now everything's going to be great. No, because you're going to develop a, a whole culture that expects to get a check for nothing. And then when you have that, you have no motivation, you have no work ethic, you have no enjoyment and satisfaction, you have no productivity. But I am for fixing schools. I am for trying to develop human beings that are going to contribute. And I think as a society and as a community and as a culture, that's one of the most important things we can do. Yet, we ignore that. We all know this and we ignore that and concentrate on boogeymen on the other side of the fucking planet where it's quite obvious that there's this transparent game going on where these boogeymen just so happen to only be where the gas is. They just so happen to only be where the oil is. They just so happen to only be where the heroin is. I mean, you, well, it's I, I not think, that cut actual, and dry. It's not, and I, but I think also that the, the other question that it raised is that anytime you have a country with a lot of natural resources, let's just take oil, which is traded openly on the world market and that none of us would go anywhere without oil. Okay, mm -hmm. We all need it. Uh, if you look at the history of oil, I'm not an expert on the history of oil. I did live in Saudi Arabia for three years, but you, you, you look at the history of oil, you look at, you know, and the Middle East, which was strategic because of that resource. The Soviets and the Americans were obviously always fighting over who had control of that. The, the, the Arabs, for the most part, created a little something called OPEC and said, fuck both you guys. We're going we're gonna to start, right. start controlling our own idea. But the idea of pan-Arabism, which is the notion that all the Arabs, that's what Saddam was saying. Those guys and, and Abdel Nasser in Egypt tried to do. They tried to bring all the Arabs together under one banner. It's, you're never going to do that because people are nationalistic. People go, I'm Libyan first. I'm not Arab. I'm Libyan. Right. I'm, I'm Egyptian. You know, right. and it just never worked. But but um, you, you look at you look at how there was so much there was so much involvement and vying for those resources between two two superpowers that of course. Of course shit is going to get crazy. Of course when Saddam Hussein makes a huge mistake and invades um, Kuwait uh, and we come to his, we not only come to his rescue, but we use Saudi Arabia, the land of Muhammad, the, where, where Islam started and, we ha and we're launching planes out of Saudi Arabia to kill other Muslims. For a guy like Osama bin Laden, that was the equivalent of slaughtering pigs in a synagogue. For those guys, they were like, you're out of your fucking mind. We're, we, now the imperialists, whatever you want to call them, are actually killing Muslims from 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 the original caliphate state, you fucking not, and that was one of the things that radicalized him. When, when these My are the point. kinds of things that you're right. I mean, it, it, there's there's always the CIA has an idea, they want to do something. Mm -hmm. But when you say we, by the way, again, it's a lot of different people in a room that come up with an idea. But let's just say, let's just for for, for let's just simplify it and say the CIA or the U.S. government at the time, uh, they say we want this. This is our agenda. One thing that they always talk about is there's always 
circumstances that unfold that none of us had any fucking idea would happen. It seems to be that's the way life is. You got one plan and everything goes to shit. You know, I mean, you can make the argument, by the way, that the idea that we killed Osama bin Laden has raised a whole bunch of questions a lot of people don't want to answer from a political point of view. So, you know, uh, this is a, and, and so it goes. It's a verb. What I was, my point was, not that why do we go to war? Mm. Why don't we spend money on the things that we really need to spend money on? Do. Why do we spend all this money on war my, my and not is we spend? Do. We do. We don't spend nearly enough, dude. There's massive school cuts right now. That raises the question. Massive, massive school cuts right now. There's fucking no community centers in these in these bad neighborhoods. True. There's no guides. There's no counseling. If you wanted to look at the one huge problem that we have, it's babies and children growing up and becoming shitty human beings because there's no love, because there's not getting any help. And that, we're not putting money in that the, at the, all. The question. The, the disproportionate amount of money we put in the military budget right. and compared to how we treat children in this country and raise kids and work on terrible communities and work on educating and, and getting people out of bad situations. And you say, oh, well, you know, they got to figure it out on their own. You don't have a fucking clue what kind of a disproportionate life you would be living if you were born in the ghetto. If you've ever been around the projects, if you've ever been around terrible neighborhoods. I, I, I never lived in a really bad neighborhood, but I lived in Jamaica Plain in Boston, and it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. And there was a lot of really poor people around me, but we would go into really bad neighborhoods. We would go to buy pot. We would go to to do different shit. We would go just because it was dangerous. You know, we were young kids. We were close to bad neighborhoods. There's people living in ways that you can't even wrap your fucking head around. Yeah. And there's not much ways out of there. You're, yeah. you're there Look and you Baltimore grow Baltimore is a classic example. I How about fucking there. Detroit where 50% of the people yeah. can't read? It's unbelievable. That's a real statistic that just came out. It was actually 47%. The, the, 47%. You can't say that that's an even playing field. And the, you can't say that no. for the human race, that doesn't need to be addressed and helped. Absolutely. And but, it's not about getting welfare mothers money so they can keep shitting out kids. It's about helping the fucking kids. The welfare mother might already be fucked. Her, her programming might already be jacked. She might already be on some downward you know, addiction spiral. Who knows? But well, you can help that kid. But, you know, one of the things that, that's always raised with social scientists is they say there are a lot of cases in this country where you threw a lot of money at a problem. Let's take Head Start as an example. And, and, uh, or, or just a lot, of, a lot of the money that Bush spent on education, which was a lot of money right. over the past eight years. Why in the world didn't a lot of test scores in certain segments of society, they didn't budge and sometimes they went, they went down. Even you because spend the all that, that money, those that teachers spend, aren't making shit. Right, you're spending the money the wrong way. The money is being spent too much in this area than not, than not that area. And that's the challenge of a government. That's the challenge of a bureaucracy. You, get, you, you tax, you have a lot of money. Trying to find out how to spend that money and where to spend that money has always been yeah, but a the, very the proportion, a big challenge. For, the proportion for any, any, any of government. that money is the problem. The proportion is tiny compared to the problem it's tiny the salaries that teachers get is unlivable and that is a really important part of being a human being if you look back on your teachers that you had and how much they influenced you and how much power they have over you this is the person that stands in front of the class and tells you how the fucking world works and when you're a kid that's a huge a huge responsibility that many times is bestowed on idiots it's bestowed on idiots, and they took this job because they couldn't get another job, and they're fucking by bitter the way, and cunty. By the way, try with the teachers' unions, and then just try getting, just try firing a teacher who has tenure because they've been teaching for three years in a lot of di districts. Just try now. In but high schools, they get tenure it's like that. It's so hard to fire a teacher. Yes, it is so. Well, there's a documentary for mm. everybody to watch called "Waiting for Superman," but forget that. There's an article just now in the New York Times about about. Um, 
trying to get, uh, I think it was in the state of Ohio, just trying to get one law passed, one law, one law that makes it, you know, uh, harder for a teacher to get tenure or easier to hire a high quality teacher in place of someone who's not performing. You are dealing with fucking 65 different interests with a lot of lobbying power, starting with the teachers union that also then has a subsidiary called the Chicago Teachers Union that has a subsidiary called the County Teachers Union. And you're dealing with fucking the, the reality of trying to make a law go through. Holy shit, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Talk to a senator sometime. Say, hey, I want to get a law passed, and it's a simple one. Talk to him and see how long it takes, and how many years, and how many people you got to pay off, and how many people you got to convince that how many lobbyists you have to have on how your side. Inter- yeah, because a lot of people go. The problem with the law is two things. You pass the law, it does one thing. It puts a whole bunch of people out of business and a whole b- bunch of other people in business. And any law you pass doesn't go away in this country. And you know why? Because a whole cottage industry grows up around that law. That's why. Oh yeah, we've talked about that many times. Especially when it comes to drugs. I mean, there's a reason why people That's are still right. trying to keep marijuana illegal. Look, folks, we have more than 50% of the people in prison today in this country are in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. Wow. And there are a tremendous amount of private prisons in this country. And we're and all paying It's for a it. business. Yeah. And we, we have to wrap our heads around the fact that there's some sort of a creepy situation that's happened where there's a lot of money and keeping people in jail. And because of that, there are, make no doubt about it, the prison guard unions and all, all these, you know, various law enforcement unions, they are not lobbying to keep marijuana, to make marijuana legal. They don't want it at all because it's a part of their, their economy. Yeah. It's a part of their, their whole situ- yeah. situation. That, this this is what happens in life is that, you know, a lot of people have a vested interest. That's why being a politician or a president, they're, they're the old saying when you're a president, you make a, you make one decision, you 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 make 50% of the people happy and another 50% of the people out there hate your guts. It, 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 there's no way to avoid that when you have power. Tenure, no tenure for uh, a, a teacher is almost, it's, it has some of the elements of intellectual um, welfare. Absolutely. In, in, in That's that, a great way to put it. That's in that, a fucking great way to put it. You know it. what I mean? In that... Wow. It, it sounds like a good idea. Like what you're going to do is you're going to make it so you can't get fired. So you are allowed to be free with your ideas and you don't have to worry about the repercussions of your of your free thinking. And this is going to promote thought. But the problem with that is when you know that you can't get fired, you become a cunt. And that's just what people do. It's it's natural. It's just you, like you welfare. Know, I, I was doing stand-up in, I think it was Kansas City. I talked to a principal who came to my show. I said, give me your, your take on the education system. And he said, education system's fine. I said, what do you mean? He goes, education, my school is amazing. But you know what the problem is? Parents. A lot of parents suck. They, they suck. And a lot of it is this culture that doesn't put a premium on education in a lot of places. The idea that you got to work your fucking ass off against insurmountable odds for anything. All that yeah. stuff. I mean, you know. Well, kids in where we live, there's a, an even trickier element. There's this fucking weird escape clause where you can become famous for nothing and then you get millions. And so instead of working your ass off for almost nothing after taxes, you look at Kim Kardashian who just fucks somebody and, and makes a video of it and then gets a TV show where they follow her around. She does nothing to contribute. She's not saying anything, but yet she's making millions of dollars. And good for her. You know, I'm not hating on her. Good for her. But to kids, that all of a sudden becomes this goal, this weird uh, fucking this weird like clause in the contract it's this weird little escape clause yeah. and a few people find it and yeah. they they get through the system and all of a sudden look at this person making millions of dollars for yeah. kim kardashian made something like 60 million dollars last so year fucking nuts. 
it's like insane. It's, it's, it's crazy money. You know what I mean? She's in every time I go to the fucking airport and I throw my, my keys in the, 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 the bin, I see her in some Skechers ad with her fat ass sticking yeah. out. Yeah. And she's wearing some sneakers that's it's supposed great, to make it's you a great fit. Ass, though, by the way. I like her ass. Is it even real? Yeah, it is. It's is it real. totally real? I believe her breasts are real, by the way. Really? Yes. I, th I think you she's believe in Santa Claus too, motherfucker. Listen, I, that bitch mostly, is always getting her hair. face that carved is, up. That is my type. But she's always getting her face carved up. Why I don't would think you? So. Yes, she is. There's been I, a bunch I'm of go on record as photos. She hasn't had any Kardashian? You're crazy. I'm you haven't seen the photos? No, dude, you got to look online. You're gonna make a, You made a mistake. Really? There's or face all puffy and I shit, looking like a cat woman. I'm not listening. I'm not. It was like right after she had a procedure. Come on. Yes, without a doubt, man. Come on, I had to live in makeup. I worked with her on uh, How I Met Your Mother. And she, she what do I give a fuck where you work? She looked normal. Listen, pal, this, this girl's had... <laughs> I just started lying. Start this girl has had plastic surgery, without a doubt. And, you know, whatever, man. I mean, if that's your business, your business is staying hot. I guess what you got to do, what you got to do. She's only like 26, right? She's fine. She's delicious. Let me see. You like that? Yeah. I like That's my type. What are you doing? You looking for the photos here? Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll find them and I'll show them to you later because this is going to be a pain in the ass. But what, what my point is, and you and I have both talked about this, and I, I did get out of here for a little while, but moving to somewhere where that's not an influence. Is that even possible anymore, though? Because that influence is sort of like all over the country now. I don't know. I, 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 that's a good question. I think, though, at the end of the day, you're still going to have a lot of people who hold on to what's important because life is basically a kick in the nuts and it's going to teach you that shit. You know, you still got to compete. You still got to fight gravity. You still got to find fulfillment in accomplishment. And the only way to accomplish something like a black belt in jujitsu is fucking roll all the time for four or five, six or seven or ten years. If you want a black belt, that's what it takes. If you want to know that you truly are, you know, somebody that can tie somebody in a knot, and I'm speaking metaphorically in, in anything, it takes a long fucking time. You want to be a good stand-up? You want to be? You want to make people laugh all over the country? I'll see you in ten years, minimum. Yeah, right? if you're so, lucky. So I mean, in a way, if you're lucky, in a way, life is gonna life kind of sorts itself out. So people worry about. I think I think it's always been well. These people are, you know, I mean, I don't know of any story in the world or any leader in the world who didn't complain that his followers, for the most part, were retards and and you know he owe to change and get people to understand what's important. That's what every religious leader from from Christ on, you know, from Moses, for God's sake, 5,000 years ago. My people don't know what's important. Here are the fucking commandments, you pagans. You know, it's always been that. It's always been people have always, who are older always been like, you fucking kids are partying too much. Stop with all the fucking and the drinking and the booze and, and, the, and you know, and, and, and the drugs. God here's told what's, me here's what's important. Yeah. Right. And if you don't, you're going to get struck down by lightning. So you to, I'm going to scare the shit out of you for your own good. Right. And ultimately, all these things are in place so that we can have this society, so that people can survive so that people can keep breeding so we can continue doing what we're doing man's which sort animal. of centers around technology yeah man's a social animal we've always you know we've always had a war with nature anyway that's kind of like what well, we're the like. only animal that has a symbiotic relationship with an artificial life and that artificial life is technology mm -hmm. you know you could say technology is not alive but I mean we use the word evolution to for culturally earlier use the word evolution for machines and if you look at simple machines that were around you know 50 60 years ago and you look Look at the complex machines now with the, 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 the microchips that are just powering your fucking cell phone and wh where this is all headed in some sort of a weird direction. We are inexorably connected to this technology. When, 
inexorably, is that the inexorably. word? Inexorably. Inexorably connected Which to this technology. Do without we're, inevitably. We're, 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 our our society is connected to it. I mean, this is what the Unabomber was terrified about. This is when, you know, he took... That's right. That was his manifesto. Yeah, he that was his all about. Technology will get to a point where it no longer has a respect for its biological heritage. Yeah, and people can say, it's not a life form, it's not a life form. You're right, you're right, it's not. There's no blood in it, and there's no tissue, there's no cells. But what is it? It's or, something that's growing and evolving. You can say that it's not a life form. But what is a, a fucking human being? A human being is some sort of a weird biological computer that's riddled with bacteria. We're that's also what we coming are. up with synthetic DNA. We're yeah. coming up with we're, we're not just living. We're, we're coming up with living. We're coming up with man-made bacteria, basically. And you know, this is one of those conversations that inevitably, when whenever we have this sort of a conversation on the message on the uh, the podcast on my message board, someone will come up and go, "This fucking bullshit, stone hippie talk." It's always some aggro fuckhead with a poor argument, and they get upset about it. But the the, the bottom line is with all this hippie talk is, you know, everyone's like, why are you thinking about that? Why are you thinking about like, where's it all going? Where's it all going, man? It's going nowhere. Shut up, go to work. The, the reality is, it, it, something is happening, and for whatever reason, we have an instinct to ignore it. It's not hippie talk anyway. By the way, you think it's hippie talk? Take a look at what computer scientists are talking about. Of course, computer scientists and scientists in general are talking about evolution in in terms of you, human beings can control and are controlling their own evolution. So it's not hippie talk at all. In fact, it's cold hard scientific talk. It is cold hard scientific talk, but it's also it's theoretical. Talk. Yeah, it's theoretical. It's also Stoner talk. Yeah. It's also the kind of things you. But that's why weed is so awesome. You fuck. But it's so not just. But, but stoner talk. In twenty years, you we are going to like it or not have to contend with tech, technological advances that are that are so far beyond what most of us are dealing with today. Biocompatible technology, things that fit into your body that make you remember faster, keep you awake longer. Replacement parts. All kinds of shit. The bionic man, bro. Sure. So, yeah. so, so these are realities that are going to affect how you make a living, what you talk about, what you listen to, what your children are influenced by. So anybody who thinks they can stay out of this debate or even this discussion is kidding themselves, man. You're kidding yourself. It does have an air of silliness to it. It's, it's got an air of man. You know, there's something to it when you're, you're considering, you know, these, these really fantastical possibilities and probabilities of the exponential growth of technology. It does have this sort well, of I, I, silliness to it. I think that's it. kind of where, where spiritual conversation comes in with the notion that, yes, we have have all these technological advances, but the same old questions that a human being is going to have to answer for himself are still going to exist. Sort of. I, won way, you know? I wonder if it's there for the same reason why when your dick is hard, you don't even think about putting a condom on. You just stick it in there. It's because, yeah, just whatever. Just get in there. Oh, fuck, I made a kid. It's almost like it's designed that way. And our, our, our mass... You know, the, the huge percentage of the population is not thinking about the uh, eventual upcoming technological singularity. They're just not. Yeah. And, and if you bring you it up, it's like, to. oh, but silly. You don't, you don't have time. time. Right, 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 right. But I wonder if that's there for the same reason. It's the sort, same sort of an instinct that makes the hard dick stick it in without a condom to make sure it happens anyway. It's like this crazy instinct to do, oh, fuck yeah. Just, yeah. just don't come inside me. Okay, okay. Well, oh, shit. You well, know, it's like, it's almost like it's well, engineered I, I think into us. It's the us. same reason whenever you start talking about, if, if 
it's a guy who gets up and says, well, climate change and sea levels are rising. You talk to me about that. Talk, talk to me. I go, that's too big to think about. And I don't have any way to cool the fucking planet. So I'm going to change the channel right now. I'm walking away. Right. But when you talk uh, to you know. dopey Republicans about it, they go, let me tell you something about these liberals, these liberals and their climate control. Now, they've been going on and on about the climate control. This is what we know, ladies and gentlemen. We know that the climate has changed since the beginning of time. It's cyclical. Okay. Don't get in the way of big business and big industry. Okay. Because there's a reason why the United States of America is doing so well. There's a reason why we need this economy to turn around. And it's not liberals. It's not a goddamn sitting around with tambourines in a circle around a campfire singing Grateful Dead songs. Okay? All right. All right. We'll be right back. That's and good. you That's know what I mean? Good. And you get into that that's re that right wing rhetoric idea that you know like ah god god settle kind of, down that, yeah. hippies. You know what it, it, does? It, it allows things to happen. And it also it also stops the debate. It, it allows you to debate. stick your dick in without a condom cuz you're silly. The, the instincts are to fuck things up. The instincts are to yeah. make more people. The instincts are to continue the technological progress regardless of what fucking effect it but has remember on, this. on the Nobody, environment. His human history is one, the one constant in human history is that people were never able to see catastrophe as a group. True, yeah. World War One, World War Two, famines, the Black Plague, it never, it, you, it, it, we are not good at predicting major fucking issues and yeah. events. Whether it's a tsunami, all due respect to the people in Japan, or anything like that, we will Human eventually. Though, right? Are not good at doing that. Well, we have We've technology. We've got a lot better. I mean, we have it used to be. That can say, hey, by the way, there's an earth, there's a twenty percent likelihood that a huge earthquake's about to hit in the next week. That I'm, I'm sure we'll get better at doing stuff. Yeah, like but that, well, it used but, to be that you didn't know a tornado was coming until it killed you. You had right. no idea. You had to see but it. Look at Alabama. You had to go, oh shit! But in 2011, 300 plus people in Alabama in our country. Well, there's nothing they can do. There was nothing they was could do about that. It was a mile-wide tornado or something? It was a mile-wide tornado. Have you ever seen the, the destruction photos no, online? No. I tweeted them. They're, they're insane. Yeah. It, Tuscaloosa, Alabama was literally wiped off the map. I've never experienced in any way uh, nature's force like that. I, that must be so crazy terrifying. Yeah, and the crazy thing is it happens every year. There was something like 400 fucking tornadoes this year in but this country. But it's like you're in a house and it gets it gets picked Ripped up. apart, yeah. And you're in the house. Yeah. Like, you know, when there's a rainstorm and you hear thunder, you're like, let's let's cuddle up in front of the yeah. TV. That's my reality. But yeah. here's the thing. I would fucking move. Have you ever been in a hurricane? No. I've been in a hurricane. But the hurricanes that hit the East Coast, like up up in the Boston area, by the time they got up there, eh, right, not so much, right. not that big a deal. Right. When you're in the and you, when you're in the middle, when it starts, when you're in the uh, the whatever they call it, the, the eye, eye of the storm. Yeah. That's not the start. The start is the it's eye the is the center when you fuck up and you go, well, it's over, and you well, step outside. How about those? How about those air force? How about those air force guys who fly into that shit? They fly into that shit to test all the kinds of how nutty is They're that? in the middle of a fucking. How scene. insane is that? Well, because any other plane comes apart. Any other plane comes apart. They come apart instead. If you're a pilot, my dad was a pilot for 20 years. Uh, when you're a pilot, you fucking worry about thunderstorms. If there's thunderstorms, that is death. Yeah, you don't go scary. near a thunderstorm, man. That's scary shit. Doesn't matter if you're a 747 or and whatever. These guys just fly right into it. They fly. Why don't we into make it? all planes out of the same shit they make those I, weather planes I think out of? Because you can only have two or three passengers, and you can't so have. So what? I'll pay more. Why would they make How it all awesome would it be box? if you were in a plane and you knew it couldn't break? Like this cool. plane is never gonna crash. It flies into fucking hurricanes and shit. It's made out of the black box. I heard. I heard the craziest That's a stupid old hack joke. I know. It's. I heard uh, the craziest hippie uh, theory lately. I read somewhere today that uh, if you have a birthmark, that's where you were uh, murdered in a past life or killed in a past life. Is this from a girl that you're trying to bang? No, no. I read it on somebody's <laughs> Facebook or something. People, people. But it's kind of interesting. I would have been stabbed in the back of the head. Only interesting if you have brain damage. Right. 
People always no. <laughs> you stab them. That's, that's why you have a, a mole. Good, a good experiment. Right. What about fucking redheads? They're stabbed everywhere. No, no, no. I have a Gorbachev. Mole. They were shot. You and, shot I, you guns and I were talking about. You and, you and I were talking about the thing <laughs> about uh, the thing up. about the, the internet is that when you can get facts right away, like fact check. The thing is, like before that, you know, we all like just would just start saying shit. Like, yes. Just start saying anything. Like, here's what I know, and this is the truth. Meanwhile, you do some checking. Like I've, I did that recently. I've been going, going back over my archives of the shit that I believe and say, and I'm like. Oh, that's a big hole there. Uh, unfortunately, the last time hole. you were here, there was one. There was one about the WikiLeaks. Right. There's yeah, a good example. The WikiLeaks one. You unfortunately said. Sorry that about that, everybody. WikiLeaks. Uh, apparently, they did remove names of all the people to protect the people, except people who are no longer with the CIA or whoever yeah. they were with, and you know they were already exposed. Right. Yeah, the WikiLeaks thing is a very tricky situation, man. You know, they're 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 going after that guy. Is I yeah, I don't know how guns I feel. Blazing. I don't know how I feel because I like transparency, but um. Uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know. Do you know, know out of the 12 we, uh, BP whistleblowers, all the 12 people that came forward about all the problems in the oil disaster, nine of them are missing, including people murdered, people, really? one guy who survived an assassination attempt. It's it's really kind of freaky. It's kind of hard for BP to, I mean, that, that was a hard thing to cover up. Uh, Is it? The whole ocean. Uh, like, yeah, well, here's a good way to cover it up. Shoot everybody who knows anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like that's actually happening. I need to, uh, It's this, this one site that had it I, I put it up on my twitter and it's getting crushed i can't get to it anymore um but uh there's there's something going on i don't, I don't know if it's true or not i need to uh i need to find out about this because it's pretty fucking fascinating the bp executives yeah i don't know i got confused yesterday i was driving down the alley and there was these three uh girls it's walking down the alley like i was like come on get the fuck out of the way so i can drive by and they're like 15 16 year old girls all of them uh, just stopped and then flashed me, like pulled down their. I mean, moon, they mooned me. Seriously? They pulled down their pants. Where was all this? three of them in Burbank, and they, in the back of an well, alley. Why they did? Just in the back of like an they were alley. Fuck, yeah, they were fucking around. Like I have an alley in in my neighborhood. There's alleys, you right? Know, you know, and so they I'm driving. You or something? No, no, no. They're, I'm just driving, and I'm just like they're That's they're walking great. in front of me. Like I'm like, come on, get the fuck out of here! And suddenly they just all stopped. Pulled down their pants, mooned me, and ran away. That's but great. at first second, I was just like, "Yo, yeah, oh my God, it's all- oh, wait, oh, that's awful." If there's a broken bitch out there, Brian will find Dude, her. Dude, I did that to Nate. Brian Mark- will Nate- find her like a magnet Nate- to little metal particles. And, 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 Nate-, Nate Markor was, you know, Nate, Nate Markor. You know, he's a Joe, of course, knows him. But he was he was at my house and he was walking up the stairs. And I go, "Come here, I want to show you something. Come upstairs," because he had just gotten to uh, L.A. to come see my one hour. And and as he was walking upstairs, you know, he's like kind of a staid guy. And I and I I was bent over with my ass wide apart. And as he walked. <laughs> up the stairs he just goes he goes what that and he, i think he went what the fuck the same thing you said when you saw dicks and feet i got pissed listen out of the 12 people in question uh that were the bp whistleblowers nine are mysteriously dead one nearly died in a brutal assassination attempt one is imprisoned under questionable circumstances and another has simply disappeared you don't yeah i don't really believe that either and that guy in the questionable circumstances what questionable tax hey brian don't talk from the other room you fucking freak go piss how ridiculous is this guy trying to <laughs> scream in the other oh, room? Oh, so so after that this is happened, a show, sir. After that happened, I was in such shock, and I was going to Starbucks. I was in such shock, and so you were I, in shock because some girls mooned you. Well, I mean, that's pretty crazy seeing three girls' buttholes and vaginas that are underage, and you're just driving around like minding your own business. So I, I get out of my car and I go inside. Did you actually see their buttholes and vaginas, or did they have their legs? I remember and you just saw their cheeks. No, I remember at least one of them. I saw the like you know like the the whatever the pussy so I, I i'm like thinking about him i'm like what the fuck was that all about and i walk in and there's alan alda is that his name from mash right. just staring at me like this like he knew like he was just like shaking his head <laughs> you know it was so weird what 
It was what are you just, talking about? I don't get it. I walked in the Starbucks and Alan now it was and he was, was staring at you. He was just staring at me. But it was like right when I walked in, I was like, holy shit! This How is high the were weirdest. You? How high were you? I was super high when this all is this the most happened. Ridiculous conversation ever. You should have started <laughs> off this conversation by saying how high you were, because you're like Alan Alda was staring at me and he was like. And I was like really freaking out. Like, what the fuck kind of a conversation are we having here? What the fuck kind of, what kind of a story is that? It's, what happened to me you, yesterday? You left out big. the most okay. important part. Here's what this I, is one of the reasons why pot believe. should be illegal. Now I'm on the other side of the fence. I need some more weed later, but uh, here's what I don't believe. Want some right now? Yeah. yeah. Here's what I don't believe in. I don't believe in psychics. I don't believe that corporations like BP have anything to do with, uh, like, are able to pull off murders or any well, of that stuff. Well, wait a minute. Wait, what are you talking man? about? You're all silly. wars are murder or based on oil. Yeah, and all wars pretty much is. Wow, how loud is it wasn't that? Based on, breaking? It wasn't based, based on oil necessarily. Why is it so loud? It's extra loud, right? Because you left it on all week and it's going to blow um, the fuck up. No, it's. Touching something. There it goes. The war made the oil more expensive in a lot of ways, so I don't know why. Yeah, they're because they're, and they're making more money, those cunts. Yeah, but they're not the ones that, you know, 911. It's fucking moving. Yeah, it's not how things work. You, you, you say that, dude, but how can you say that with any level of certainty? That's ridiculous. I can say it with a lot of level of certainty. The no, same way I can tell can't people can't predict say the future. How like corporations like, are working when there's so many instances of corporations killing people. But they all have different. They all have different agendas. Is all I'm saying. Like if you're if you're a bank, you have a different agenda. When you then, watch you know, a movie, and you're competing against another bank. You know. And there's a movie where someone is, is trying to make money, and something goes wrong, and then they hire a hitman, Fiction. like Jason Statham. Right, based on what? Based on human fucking nature. We you know, know it's possible. We're not talking about superpowers. We're talking about someone having someone killed because it would cost them billions and billions of dollars. You don't think works. it's possible? It's a boardroom. You got a the bunch problem of with this decisions. BP story is it has all the elements of a, an internet hoax. Right. You know, I mean, it's exactly. it's fantastic. It's it's unresearchable. Right. And I'm trying to and research it. And by the way, it keeps, if you're telling um, me that all those investigative journalists out there from all those newspapers who are always looking for a story wouldn't be all over that, believe me, they would be all over that. Yeah, man. Maybe, but this is this is sort of like some kind of shit that you have to be really, 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 really sure about. You're not going to get this published in Time Magazine. I want you on your on your podcast to bring a reputable investigative journalist on this show so we can talk about about what a news. Yeah, hello, reputable works. investigative journalist. I want you. To, this is called the volcano, and what's inside here is marijuana vapor. It's way better for your lungs. Have them come in. Why here? This here. is this is legit, bro. We're ranked on iTunes. We're like number two. Are you? Yeah, it's always like some number one or number two. Anything you number, It was number five. Anything and, um, Joe Rogan does doesn't surprise me. Joe Rogan oh, can do so it all. Sweet. You've always been a winner, my friend. And I love you. I love you too. But I think it's sweet talking. You are very important. I'm not that high, I'm telling you. Why is it so <laughs> harsh on the throat? Because uh, I think your thing is too hot. Really? Yeah, I think it's <coughs> smoking it too much. Sorry about that, <coughs> Yeah, you might be right. I'm going to kill it. <coughs> Volcano's very tricky. Some guy just got life in jail for his third weed. Um, third weed. <coughs> I'm never going to be able Is that sound camera? I'm never going to be able to run for a Fourth. Long. Fourth marijuana conviction gets Slidell, Louisiana. <laughs> Man, life in prison. He's a repeat offender. And by this uh, repeat, repeat offender, the jury found the defendant guilty of attempting to possess and distribute marijuana. Dude was selling weed. And they put him in jail for life. For life, and he's thirty-five years old. <laughs> Terrible. Like that's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's a tragedy. It's it's the only way pot kills you. There's two ways. Wait, There's... wait, wait. What was it all four times the same thing? That would... Yeah, sells weed. All right, that, that guy probably <laughs> deserves to be in jail. I think after the okay. second or third time, all right, dude, just but fucking start fucking get a different job. Okay, what for selling weed, dude? You, yes. You, you, no, the, the the law is unjust. 
It's unjust. Right. Yeah, but it's not like he's retard. Yes. He's definitely not the brightest guy in the world. But what he's doing is not hurting anyone. Dude, we have too many fucking laws. You don't feel bad for him because it's not you, dude. No. Because it easily could be. Don't be silly. Any strike, anything type strike things. Like if you have four DUIs, I think you deserve to be fucking locked up. You're right. You're just a fucking retard. If this guy's selling weed. Four DUIs are dangerous. You're hurting people. You're scaring people. It doesn't matter. Brian, that matters. Well, I mean, it matters. It matters, but it also matters like this guy's been in trouble three times, two times. Shouldn't sell weed anymore, right? Okay, you're right, but you are giving in. You're giving in to the man. You're you're saying whatever rules that you make, as illogical as they are, I'm going to follow by them because I don't want to get locked in a cage. (laughs) What I'm saying is there's no way you should be locking someone in a cage for that. It doesn't make any sense. And if someone does that, they're the criminals. When you have a society, a complex society with a massive amount of access to information, literally you can find the answers to any question instantly on your phone. When you have a law that's in place that's completely illogical, like marijuana laws, and then you prosecute people for them, and then you lock them in jail, you are the criminal. You are the one who's going against logic and nature with all your fucking silly studies. Ron Paul just owned some motherfucker the other day on, on the Senate floor. And it, it was it, the guy was talking about yeah, marijuana. Yeah, because he said he said he thought heroin should be legal. Yeah. I think. And, and he he Ron Paul just clowned them about personal use, freedom <laughs> of use. And if heroin was legal, do you think we'd all be using heroin? Right, exactly. He just I mean it was so it was so on the money, man. About all of it, we need less fucking laws. All you people out there that are involved in this industry of laws and industry of of of, of creating jobs that that are attached to laws, you're leeches. You're, this is leeching off society. It's a fucking loophole. And if we got rid of that loophole and forced everybody that has some shitbag jobs for locking people up for pot, we would force those people to have more productive lives because they would have to evolve. I think you would have to contribute. I think that more than any other time in our country's history, the, the, the discussion about legalizing drugs is very much alive. And even politicians like Ron Paul, who have a, a growing following, are, are being taken very seriously. It's slowly when they say, evolving, yeah, when they but say not we fast enough. Drugs. Not fast enough for logic or my taste. It's not not changing enough right. in my lifetime. It is changing. I mean, the, the the climate here in California, especially, is really revolutionary. If you drive down the street near my house, there's fucking five weed stores in a one block ratio, ratio or um, area. It's it's really that that is incredible. But it's not changing <laughs> enough. There's still plenty of fucking morons with <laughs> silly ideas about forcing people into other the the. the there's a reason why the United States is not competing with the rest of the world as far as things we produce. It's because a lot of people aren't producing shit. They're just a part of some weird fucking system. Some weird system. It's a very weird system that doesn't necessarily make any sense. Our financial system doesn't necessarily make sense. Our, 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 we, we're not, we don't really produce anything. You know, Putin said it best when he was analyzing the United States economy before the crash. He said, I don't understand the American economy. All they seem to be doing is buying and selling each other's houses. And he's right. What the fuck else do we do anymore? We make Mustangs and Camaros and Corvettes and a couple other things. We have a very, in comparison, very, we have a very powerful um, uh, military. Uh, no, no, no. Um, um, computer industry. I mean, yeah, uh, we do that. Yeah, innovation, art, yeah. You and, know, and medical lot. innovation and stuff like that. We got a lot of stuff. It could be argued, though, that if there were less laws and there were more freedom and there was less people in these fucking bullshit parasitic government jobs, that those people would be forced to contribute. Damn right. Maybe that's they would a, become a, cabinet makers. That's a huge, that's yeah. a great 
great argument. Maybe they'd become right. authors. You're right. They would be. They would contribute. Look, it is a, a form of social welfare to have shit jobs exactly. that aren't necessary. There, there, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal about how a lot of states, three out of one job are government jobs, not not private sector jobs, not yeah. manufacturing jobs. When you hear so like the government created right. new jobs, and you know what a lot of those jobs are? They're fucking, surveyors, exactly, and weird fucking government exactly. positions that are unnecessary. That doesn't build anything. That's not what made this country great. Yeah. Bureaucrats, and you're absolutely right. That's and it is exactly a form right. of social welfare because if you give someone a job and make it so they don't have to find their path, it's like I've always said: the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me when I was 21 years old, I played the lottery once. I won a free ticket. I played it again. I won nothing, and then I was done. I said I quit. That's it. Yeah. What if I was 21 and broke and scared and lost and I won the lottery? That would have been the worst curse ever. I would have never found my way in life. No. And if you get some shitty fucking easy government job that you can't get fired from and then that becomes your life, well, guess what? You're not going to find your place either, man. No. You're just going to, it's a form almost of social welfare. Yeah, it is. We need less, less of everything. I and that's agree. why a guy like Ron Paul's on the fucking money, man. That, Amen. that bad motherfucker. I love that guy. Oh, he's the best. And the other guy, Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico, same thing. Yeah. Stanhope had a great point. He said, Thank I like him. He goes, same sense, less Jesus. <laughs> but I don't mind I don't mind Ron Paul's Jesus. <laughs> I don't mind any of it because the way he talks is the way what, what in my mind is America. What what my mind because is there's a, there's an ideal. He believes in personal freedom yeah. and responsibility. Right. And allowing people to make their own choices. And makes the call on what is really going on and why we're invested in all these different parts of the world and what we're really doing. He's honest about it. And he's saying, this is not what America should be all about. And he says that all the time. This is not what this Constitution was, was supposed to mean. This is not what our founding fathers wanted. This is, the, the, we're, this is supposed to be the best example possible of what you can do with a society. This is 2011. We've learned from the Greeks. We've learned from the Romans. We learned from the Nazis. We learned from everybody. We've got it down. But we don't. We don't. And we don't. And it's transparent how we don't. It's all there. Every time, like, the, the Obama recently passed some fucking new law about genetically modified food, and it's going to fuck over all these organic farmers, man. Mm. And this, this shit's been going on for a while. Monsanto is involved with a lot of fucking creepy shit, man. And the government is be behind all this. There's a good book, though, about, about that. And, and we're, again, when you talk about technology, Monsanto and these other companies that do genetic engineering, the only way we're going to feed the growing population is through genetic engineering. It's true. Now, there's a, there's a good way to do it. There's a bad way to do it. Obviously, it comes with risks. It also comes with a great deal of promise. But genetic engineering is in all of your future, whether you like it or not. The, real, is, the real problem is We don't have the soil to, 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 to farm organically and feed all the people in Africa, for example, and right. et cetera, et cetera. Right, but isn't the real, I mean, the real problem is sustainability, but the real problem is also that you, you get to own that. You own a plant. And Monsanto it, is inherently, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're trying to, first of all, they tried to patent pigs. Do you know that? There's going to be a lot of that, and they're going to figure this out in the courts. But the bottom line is this. One thing that, one of the promises of genetic engineering is that we will maybe never have to use any pesticides and if you want to talk about agricultural runoff, that's one of the biggest forms of pollutants in all our waterways. So, for example, if you could come up with a kernel of rice, an apple that requires no spraying because in it, it has genes that are not only incredibly nutritious, but that can ward off any kind of a pest, that's something that is going to be in our future. It doesn't right. come with risks. Is, are there problems? Are, do, you, do I feel weird about taking the, the, the gene of a jellyfish and putting it into a strawberry because it actually keeps it from freezing so you can ship it farther? Yes. Yes. This is where Adam Carolla would come this. in. What we got here, <laughs> it, it's going to be great in about 10 years. <laughs> 
right now, you, you don't want to get in on the ground floor. You don't want to get in here with all this genetic engineering. You want to wait. That's that. what he would do. Oh, by the way, we told him that you what you said to him oh, yeah. about the improv. He uh, actually repeated it. Yeah. He repeated oh, yeah. it to, to us and said that it, he was, it was the happiest he'd ever been. Yeah. And you made him so happy. And I, I concurred. I said, you know, I brought it up. I said, Brian Callen said this, and I think he's absolutely right. He's the best at, like, tying together he's these amazing. long rants oh, and a, making them work. If I, if I listen it to is. him, I can get him. I could start doing uh, I could yeah, put Adam Crowe yeah, yeah, in my yeah, act. Yeah, yeah, He's got, a, he's got a, uh, you know, one of those things. I think he was a... Yeah, kind of that smarty kind of Norm Macdonald. He's an, almost, he's an interesting uh, guy, man. Right. I really, I really like him. Smart guy. He's very guy. smart, and he's very smart in a very unique and interesting way. My, my buddy boxes. He's very honest. Says that he's got heavy hands. He says that. Really? Guy, yeah, he's a good boxer. Did you see the movie Box. The Hammer? No. It's all about him being a boxer. But well, he's been I know in, he's, he's you know he's fought in the ring. Yeah, stuff. he's he's apparently he, he was a boxing trainer for a long time too. That's how he made a living oh, in Hollywood. Right. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. I really like that guy yeah, a lot. He's a great guy. He's a, a very unusual thinker and a, and, a, and an unabashed gearhead. I love that too. Oh, is he? You know, yeah, he loves cars, man. I, I hate when people pretend. Like I read on some guy's thing, you know, who's shitting on someone for being middle aged and and buying a sports car that it was, you know, such a, a you know midlife crisis sort of yeah. a thing. And I was like, God, what a silly way to look at that. I've never. Like, how, made how, fun how come of, he's yeah. not? How come he's not no, just no, enjoying you can a never car? Never make fun of anybody who's a gearhead because it's a passion. It, it doesn't have to be anything rational or logical about it. It's a passion. Some well, some people, people are born us. with the wrenching gene. <laughs> with the wrenching. I was forced to have the wrenching gene, and I don't like it. Really? I would rather have somebody else do it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I have the driving gene, but I want someone who knows what the fuck they're doing yeah. to fix my shit. Right. You have the drive. You've yeah. always loved. Like, I love cars. cars. I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm. First of all, I'm a technology fanatic. I'm obsessed with it. I've always been obsessed yeah. with any new gadget. I remember the first time I saw Pong. I was, I, w I was obsessed with it. I couldn't believe you, that you someone were, had figured out a way to make this move something on the TV. Yeah, you were so, one of the first people I ever met who like had email and stuff like. I was like, oh, yeah. What's this email thing? That I had a computer doing? in 94 and I didn't send an email to anybody until like 98. <laughs> Nobody had fucking email, Nobody. man. I never was, now I hardly ever talk to any of my friends. Like me, Pat and Oswald, and I have been going back and forth on Twitter. And I'm supposed to call him, but I'm like, God, I actually have to call somebody Pat, and make a call. It's like, you talk you go about back a, and forth. With, talk about a funny dude. Pat I love Oswald. his writing. He's one of my favorite guys as far as like yeah. taking a premise and just beating the shit out of it God, and going in all sorts of weird ways with it. He's, yeah. he's a really interesting guy uh, i like him a, he a was a writer on mad tv when i when i first started was he really yeah he was a part of the original cast you know he was there and i and enjoy it, his cds i think he's my favorite um guy to I, listen to i would to come in and he'd have sketch ideas on the wall and one was one was just explosive diarrhea and then the <laughs> other was feeling kind of rapey <laughs> <laughs> we were uh when we were doing mad uh the man show that was one of the most fun things just to put a, bu a bunch of ideas and try to make them and do you He's, do that i do that with my writing do you do that see i have a yeah, board I up there yeah. i do that with my my act now and i take it's a photo great. of it on my iphone and then when i'm in a hotel room and i want to go over my notes that's i just great. look at the photo and you could expand it so i move it around huh. and it's easier than turning pages yeah. so it's you know technology man I love it's making technology. it all easier but uh, I think writing something down and like putting it up there for, for you. Know, there's something about creating when you write things down and then put it in like a little box and then stick the box on the wall and then mm -hmm. step back and look at it. Mm -hmm. It's like instead of like being on top of it, writing it and being immersed in the words, just sit, put uh, it on the wall and step any, back. Any really, really successful screenplay writer I've ever spoken to 
does exactly that. They never really? just sit down and write. Really? Not one. Really? Not one. Wow. From Alan Ball, who I talked to, who wrote American Beauty, who I talked to about how he starts his scripts and stuff. And he said character, but you know, but any of those guys, all of them, Todd Phillips, they, they outline the shit out of it. They see it up on a board. And I don't know one director or one writer, certainly not one screenplay writer, not one who makes a fortune uh, who, who's a successful screenplay writer, a professional who doesn't do that. I just started doing it recently. I've been it's writing great. forever. It's the way to do it. That's why a lot of people write a screenplay and then they just end up running out of steam or it just doesn't quite work. There's a, there's a real te- like t- sort of structure and te- technique to writing. Right. You, know? you see, even novelists. Yeah. Novelists will lay it out, man. I mean, John Irving, for his last book, took seven years to write that book. Seven. Think about wow. the act of faith that would require, because it had to be thematic. He created these characters very autobiographical. What was the book? Um, uh, uh, a year in uh, uh, Mystic River. Uh, one year in Mystic River, I believe it's called. What is it about? Uh, it's very autobiographical about. Um, Suck and cock. No, John Irving is that. John Irving is. <laughs> excuse Imagine me, sir. Imagine it took him seven years and it's so about blowing dudes by the river. Have you ever, have you read <laughs> Black Cock? So imagine imagine he turns this in. This is his magnus opus. Have you read it? Have you read any of his books? No, never. Oh, dude, I can't believe you haven't read John Irving. You know what, dude? I kind of stopped reading fiction a long time ago. I started reading some Joe Hill so recently. I. I stopped Stephen reading King's it, now brother. I'm reading it again. Yeah, I started. I started reading it again because it's fun, yeah. and I realized I was reading too much creepy shit. It's almost like what I was talking. about. I'm writing a whole bit about it in my act now about the apocalypse is not you know it's here but it's not here you know what i mean like that what i said earlier the way i phrased it was the first time i ever phrased it that way that it's here yeah. and it's not here but i'm writing this whole this whole big chunk about that and so it's it's forcing me i'm constantly reading all this nutty fucking shit about the world and i'm like god damn it this is not that fun like you can you can freak out about fucking supermassive black holes and super volcanoes and you can freak out about the shifting of the polar ice caps and it really doesn't make life any more interesting but if a good werewolf movie comes out you know, life is fun for like a fucking hour and a half. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you pick up a good Joe Hill, is Stephen King's son, and he's a he's a, uh, a horror really? writer as well. Really? Yeah, yeah, he's good, dude. He's good. No, I got. I read just. I'm almost done with Heart Shaped Box. A great fucking scary. Holy shit! It's about he's... a guy who is a rock and roll star, like some creepy Marilyn Manson, who buys this uh, dead guy's suit online because it's haunted. It comes with a ghost, and he thinks he's being cused, so he buys this dead guy's suit. I don't want to say any more about the plot because the plot is brilliant, like how wow. it's all established and set up. Wow. But it's a fucking page turner. And it's so much more fun than it's reading a Michael box. Rupert book about the collapse of civilization. Yeah, you know, yeah. you want smoking cigarettes think, in that right? collapse documentary. Have you ever watched, you want to shit your pants? Watch that collapse documentary. <laughs> what is that? It's Michael Rupert. He's this guy who used to be a former L.A. cop who busted the CIA selling drugs in L.A. neighborhoods and went public with it and eventually left the police force and was told that he was supposed to let these people go when he caught them. And he's, you know, very, very vocal about it, always worried he's going to get assassinated. Well, that started his downward spiral of doubt and doom. And now this guy is he's got a whole fucking documentary where him sitting there smoking cigarettes, talking about how the society were going to run out of oil and society's going to.